gosh, I, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's exactly the sport, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd probably kind of come in the forehead. Welcome to Kafaru Cast, everyone. I have a an actual special guest. We always say special guest, but uh, this is a guy that uh, I guess when I started shooting, which is going to be bad because he's going to make fun of me because he knew me when I was a knucklehead. But uh, Bill Pellegrino, uh, owner of uh, Pellegrino's Archery Hut, what's happening? Uh, it's good to be here, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I have known you for quite a while. I remember when you were a kid, <laughs> just getting out of the army. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, twenty. I didn't even think about that. 20 years or yeah. more. Yeah. At least 90, 20 years. 90, 98, probably yep. 99. Yeah. Yeah. So did that, we are, well, you're old. I'm getting old. <laughs> I'm there, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I am there. Uh, but I, uh, so, for not a slight towards Bill, Bill, you've not done a great job, uh, promoting yourself over, over time. Bill is pretty humble and, uh, but you're probably one of the most, well, not to pump your own tires too much, probably the most well-rounded, one of the more well-rounded shooters, uh, competition archery specifically in, in history, I would say, but you would probably disagree with that. But how many finger world championships do you have? Uh, several. I never <laughs> counted them. <laughs> I shot fingers for a long time before I switched to release. But And then you won uh, Vegas in the bow hunter class one year. Yeah, I won it with fingers and I won it with a release. Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, when I, w- with at risk of getting made fun of more than I'm already going to. So you knew me when I had first started shooting basically, I mean, within re- yeah. I mean, tournaments yeah. and, uh, you had given me shit on a few different occasions. Cause I would be bragging to somebody that I shot a, a higher score than now keep in mind, Bill was very high up there on the list. So it was very important if I did beat him, but if. Keep mind, I would brag that you were shooting fingers and I would beat you for like 20 targets on how I'd like, I beat Bill and you'd come confront me a week later. Were you saying you beat me? And I'm like, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I think beating me means the entire tournament, <laughs> yeah. not half of it. <laughs> I was excited. Um, but it, it, uh, there was a few because you shot release in, in between that and there was some scores. You know, and at that time, I didn't, I wasn't in the position I'm in, in now, meaning I'd shot some national shoots and kind of learned my way around more. I think in Golden, you shot 38 up and 20 targets uh, once with me. I think you have the course record. Do you remember that? I remember, I mean, I remember shooting with you. I don't remember what well, I shot I remember because you kicked my ass so bad because I think you shot. <laughs> that might make it a little more memorable. Yeah, th- you sh- I think you shot. <sighs> 38 it was an ungodly score it was insane um but you're shooting a wrist rocket um you're one of the only people that i know that have shot a wrist rocket i mean you shoot it good you have you ever had target panic with that thing oh yeah yeah, yeah. everybody <laughs> eventually you get it it's whether you can overcome it or not uh i mean there's guys um you know gillingham and Braden, guys that have always shot a wrist release and you know and they'll tell you they, you know, they have their struggles with them every now and then. You can watch competition um, archery media and guaranteed in a shoot down round, Gillingham's going to have a couple major ginches. It's, he yeah, still ends I mean, up it's, it you know, you have good days and bad days, but when, a, when you're on with a wrist release, I, th- I think and feel that it's the most accurate release in the world. Um, you're not twisting your D loop, you know, you're, you're just not twisting your hand anchor against your jaw. So I, I truly think if it's shot properly, there's nothing more accurate. But 
it's the easiest thing to punch in the world. Yes, it is. That's <laughs> that is the problem with. <laughs> well, when I uh, it's weird. I mean, again, coming full circle, having you in front of me, I, you uh, were. I guess it was you and Tipton. Who else was good? I'm trying to think. There's a couple. Yeah, other Tipton. Shooters. I mean, he was locally. He was always. Uh, he was my competition. Happy when he showed up. So I had somebody to shoot against that. You know. Yeah, could go, could run oh, with you. Yeah, go head to head all day long. Yeah, and and I, I, uh, you know, when you're starting, and I, and I'm only bringing this up because there's a lot of people in the position. You know, 20 years ago, I was in where I remember I would I would say, Bill, does it look like I'm shooting this right? And you'd be like, I don't know. You're the one shooting it. How's it feel? Are you punching it? <laughs> uh, good point. And you know, when I was, I went like hinges and back tensions and whatever, going through kind of all those things. And I ended up shooting a hinge more than anything. That's just how my brain operated. Yeah. But you run uh, a very, very, well, I guess you're probably the largest pro shop down, down there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, I mean, I haven't been down there in a while. You, what have you had that 15, 18 years? 16 years, I think now. Um, Bill, you're a retired fireman. How long did you do? How long were you a fireman? 34 years. So I promote to become a fireman rather than getting in the outdoor industry because you have time off more. Time <laughs> That's off. a fact. Yeah. <laughs> so when you like a little bit of history about yourself, like tournaments, where are you from originally? When did you come to Colorado? If you can remember some of the different stuff you've won, because unless you're in the inner circle, you haven't done a great job promoting yourself. You haven't had to, and you know, you don't, get on social media and that's not a slight but you've done a lot and you don't talk about it much so suck it up and talk about what you've done <laughs> <laughs> i moved to colorado 35 years ago 36 years ago uh yeah, i grew up in jersey and i loved the hunt loved the fish hike camp i just wanted to be outdoors so obviously i was not in the right state um but you don't get to choose where you where you're born <laughs> so um uh, when i was you know, my plan to get in the fire service, I knew a couple firefighters that had side businesses and I worked for them during the summer when I was a kid, like 15, 16 years old. And they had a lot of time off. I didn't realize that when they're at work, they were there for 24 hours, but I just knew that when they wanted to go hunting and fishing, they could go. And the rest of the grownups couldn't. They were stuck going on weekends. <laughs> <laughs> so I started talking to them about fire service and it, it was obvious that you know working three days a week 24-hour shifts having four days off and being able to trade shifts and take off a couple of weeks that was going to fit my lifestyle um plus you know if, if you're a bow hunter you like adventure you like a challenge um like the unknown and that same mindset fits great with the fire department because that's exactly what it is so the job just worked out really well for me uh, but to get it i moved down to florida spent a year and a half down there and you know fishing was great hunting sucked um i couldn't wait to get out of there and i just knew that if i stayed too long i'd be stuck on that job you know, once you invest yourself into a job with a retirement you, it's hard to pull out you know, pick up stakes and go somewhere else after about a year and a half i knew that hey i got to get somewhere i want to be long term moved to colorado had never been here just saw pictures of it in magazines and field and stream and that kind of stuff. And literally one day I was at a buddy's house and it was 105 degrees outside with 99.9% .9 humidity. It was just, you know, if you're an outdoors person, that weather sucks, period. There's no denying it. 
we're sitting in his air-conditioned apartment. I look down at his coffee table, and there's a picture of a field and stream. There's a field and stream magazine, and on the front cover is a picture of a guy fly fishing in a river with a dog sitting on the bank and a Toyota Land Cruiser <laughs> parked on the, you know, the edge of the river. I looked at that, and I'm like, I'm going to resign. <laughs> he worked with me on the fire department. He's like, what? I said, and you can see the plate on that truck. Yeah. And I said, I'm moving to Colorado. And he's like, the hell are you talking about? You busted your ass to get this job. He says, we competed against over 2,000 people to get six positions. Because you may never get in the fire service again. I said, I don't give a shit. I yeah. just don't care. <laughs> I want out of Florida and I want to be somewhere that is going to fit my lifestyle. I said, and that's it. I'm going to Colorado. So I did. I went in the next day, wrote my letter of resignation. Two weeks later, I was on the road to Colorado. Huh. And uh, it's very fortunate. That's kind of a story in itself. I'll give you a quick rundown. When I got here... When I was in Florida, and if you've never lived in Colorado, everybody on the East Coast thinks that Colorado gets 50 feet of snow a winter, and it's 100 <laughs> below, and the weather's miserable, and you might as well be at the North Pole. And that's what, to this day, people have never been here. Yeah. It's just what they think it is. And I was, I was that way, but I'm like, that's a good thing, because nobody in their right mind wants to be a firefighter in Colorado, because the weather sucks so bad, you'll freeze to death during the winter getting soaking wet and going back out of a fire. And so I was like, it'll be easy to get a job. I'll just walk right in and, and get a job on the fire department. Um, I went, the day that I had to take the test, I honestly thought there might be 100 people signed up to take the test. I had to go to a college. That's where they're holding the test. There was a line coming out the door. The parking lot was packed. And I thought, oh, well, they got some courses going today. School's on, whatever. <laughs> I walk up to the line. I'm like, hey, what's this line for? It was, I mean, it was coming out the door. There were hundreds and hundreds of people online. He goes, it's for the fire department test. And I just went, what? <laughs> and it's he goes, worse now, isn't oh, it? Oh, <laughs> yes. It was, there was 1,800 people that day. Oh, good Lord. And I just went, kidding me? <laughs> so my plans changed drastically. I was looking at what else am I going to do for a career? <laughs> Construction sounded yeah. good, yeah. Fortunately, I got hired with Colorado Springs Fire Department. I spent the last 30 Retired last year, but uh, it's enabled me to do a lot of things I could have never done. The archery shop, you know, for the last 15, 16 years, I'd have owned that. With my schedule there, I, I, I was able to work that job, work at the firehouse, and still go hunting. Yeah. And well, I like and I, you know, the way that um, social media is, and, and it, and it it's kind of changed the game some in marketing, things like that, but it also gives a false perception of, you know, you can imagine how many times I get the question of how do I get your job? I'm like, I don't even know how the fuck I got my job, right? And so, exactly. Um, you know, but I'm like, man, if you, for, 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 for you, I would say, and definitely for me, I didn't plan on being in the position. I, I just wanted to hunt. You know, everything else came with it. Um, yep. And you being from the beginning after, you remember my, my ex-wife who I had my daughter with, once we got divorced, I was, I was, I tried to move down and live by Kaylee in Texas, which didn't, it was about like you in Florida, probably. Yeah. I made it a few months and I'm sitting there. Remember I had that mountain tattoo on my arm. Yep. I'm, I'm looking at that and it's a hundred degrees. And I'm like, <laughs> and I literally loaded up everything in my truck right then. I drove over, told my daughter, I'm just going to fly you up to Colorado. I'll come down to see you. Made phone calls to glass shops the whole way up, had a job when I got here yeah. and kind of made the decision of. Even if I live in, you know, poverty, but I mean, if I, I'm just going to hunt, right? I'm being yeah. outdoors. 
I had no idea I'd end up where I am, but I'm like, I'm just going to hunt my ass. And so I was like taking unpaid time off, you know, I just save up and I made the mistake of claiming nine on my taxes for a while. Uh, to save money for a spotter. <laughs> Never do that, by the way. That's I a bad plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, get, I'm almost grown up at 45 now. I'm close, right? I, I'm getting there. But I, 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 you know, people ask me about how do I, you know, I want to get a job in the outdoor industry. I'm like, no, you don't. It doesn't pay very good. Um, and, you know, when I say that meaning, do you really want to go work for Rage Broadheads or do you, you yeah. know, whoever? I'm like, why don't you get a job as a as a cop or a fireman or an EMT, and then you have time off? Yeah, to do what you want to do, and you still make good money. Yeah, uh, I mean, because there's not very many. You know, well, I have people ask me about starting an archery shop. I'm like, you know how to become a millionaire? Start as a billionaire and start an archery <laughs> shop. Yeah, open up an archery <laughs> shop, you'll end up a millionaire. Well, you had a good uh, name, and you you know you know what you were doing, which was good. But how long did it take that thing to get good traction? Was it fairly quick or? Yes, yes and no. <laughs> Our first day in business, at the end of the day, we did $178. <laughs> we took over a shop that wasn't doing real well. Yeah. And, you know, we bought the business for, it didn't cost us much. Yeah. Because it wasn't doing well. And we looked at the books, ran them by an accountant and came up with a figure and he took it. Um, but, you know, that you know, you've invested money, you have a lease. You've got insurance, you've got all kinds of overhead, and $178 later, we looked at each other and thought maybe a couple more days and we'll just, we'll write this off as a bad experience, close it down and move on. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, there's no way you're going to be able to stay in business. And, and what's crazy is if you had social media, because you have a lot of friends in high places, right? You, you, and not saying I'm that high, but you have a me and a Dudley and guys with if you had the marketing back then, it's free, like social media. Now, you didn't have exactly. that back then. People need nothing. to keep that in mind. Yeah, you didn't was, shit. It was newspaper ads, yeah. <laughs> radio, yeah. word, and, and truly, the only thing we ever had was word of mouth. Yeah. Um, once people, I mean, people knew me because of competing and hunting and all that. I had, a, you know, locally a reputation that I know what I'm doing. And that's truly the only reason that business was a success, because when people found out I took the shop over, they started coming in. I mean, the first day was a disaster, and I thought every day like this just isn't going to work. But literally, and that was in July, so back then that was a slow season. Um, but literally, by the end of the month, we went from $178 days to two and three thousand dollars. And now it's now I've got full-time employees and part-time employees, and some of the best you can absolutely get. And you know how important. Or they yeah. are your business. Yeah. They are absolutely your business. I'm, I'm very protective. Uh, we just did a podcast on uh, on mental health because I got a, a bit of a temper. Uh, so do you, no. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have tempers. <laughs> Maybe worse. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it was, so I traveled all over the world since I'd met you and I would occasionally get, you used to live in the Springs, right? And I'm like, yeah. Do you know Bill? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, yeah, I, you were somebody I'd looked up to. I said, yeah, of course. Why? Uh, what's he like? I'm like, did he yell at you? Yeah. I'm like, he's fucking protective of that archery shop and his people. And that's probably 10 times over 20 years. People be like, you know, and you, you are very protective of that shop. Absolutely. I'm sure. Shop, the reputation, yeah. the people working there. I, I'm not going to let anybody abuse my customers. I would get on the phone immediately and tell somebody not to come back. Yeah. You're, 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 you're not your customers, your, your, your workers. Um, 
You said you're not going to let anybody. Oh, I'm abuse sorry. Your, yeah, my, you're my not going to let a customer. Yeah, my employees. I'm yeah. not going to let a customer abuse my employees. I don't need any customer that bad. We're the we're same there, way. Everybody's there to have fun. They don't make near what they're worth. Yeah. Because the industry doesn't allow that. Yeah. They should all be making twice what they're making. I pay them the best I can and still keep the shop open, but they do me a huge favor by working. For yeah. And I'm not going to let anybody abuse that. A lot of it was, was not people, right? I've, I had one story of one person that dry fired a bow. I heard vis his version of it. And I'm like, was there signs on the wall that said, don't draw the bow? And he's like, yeah. And I said, you're probably lucky that he didn't kill you. I was like, stop <laughs> <laughs> that bad. Come on. No, no. But I think you had yelled at somebody because they had dry fired a bow. And I had heard that story. And I'm like, well, let's say, you know, you're a mechanic. And I told this guy this because he was the one you yelled at. And I said, he goes, yeah. And I said, and there's a sign that says, do not walk in, uh, you know, the back room. It's a safety thing. And there's a sign there. And you walk in and a tire falls and breaks your leg. Well, there's a sign on that thing that says, do, I've been in a shop, says, do not draw a bow, a bow without an arrow on. And I think it's something like that yeah. or, or whatever. Or ask for assistance. Yeah. And he yeah, will set you up. Yeah, dry fired it. And I think you basically told him, what the hell are you doing or whatever. But um, I can't, that was a while, that was probably eight, nine years ago, I think. Was that, do you remember in that? I, I don't. I mean, I had a guy dry fire him the other day and the <laughs> poor guy was, he's, I thought he was going to pass out. I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. Yeah. It's, it's, and you know, <laughs> In the beginning, it was a little different. Yeah, I invested a lot of money, money. into those bows, and but now I know that manufacturers will take care of it. So now it's you know I still have more signs up. We moved the bow room right next to the shop where we work, and we hardly ever, maybe once a year now, compared to fifteen times a year before. And that the irritating part was before people would dry fire a bow, hang it on the wall, and walk away and not say a word. Yeah. At the end of the day, you'd walk into the bow room, and there's a bow in pieces, and you're like. Really couldn't come up and yeah. say, hey, I, I screwed up. <laughs> yeah. You know, I dry fired this bow, but I literally had people just hang it back on the wall, you know, derailed and walk away and not say a word. I'd have a customer later walk in the bow room and say, hey, you realize you got a bow in there without a string cable on? I'm like, what? And I walk in, I'm like, yeah, another dry fire. Uh, so that guy that you're talking about probably caught me on a bad day. Yeah. You know, right after one of those episodes. And I, I well, I, <clears throat> Being in the position I'm in now, the same position you're in, I'm, I'm very protective of the customer service reps, extremely protective and to probably more than I need to be. And uh, when you now when I hear, a, let's say, rewind 15, 20 years ago, I hear a story online and I read it. My perspective now is much different than it was back then. Uh, somebody's complaining about service or somebody. Yeah, there's two sides to yeah, that story. Yeah. And in a. In a, in a the reality of it is generally the side of the story is the one I believe is from the pro shop or the business, not the consumer. Cause the consumer, uh, we just had this happen and you'll enjoy this. We had a guy get on a forum, said, fuck Kafaru. Couldn't get their shit together two years in a row. Tried to order my pack. Couldn't get it in time. And of course the response was it's August yeah, for two months. Not, you're not going to get one in a week. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've actually got to where we ship in 48 hours now. For most stuff. So the guy called. He asked if he could have a Ranger Green, same pack you've got, Ranger Green Striker. And uh, they said, yeah, should be, shouldn't be a problem. He waited two days and he ordered it. We sold 58 of them in two days. And we called him, said, you're not going to get it in time. We'll gladly pay for the expedited shipping and ship you a brown one. Canceled his order, got on forums and just bashed us. So 
Yeah, yeah, that's I, that's reasonable. Yeah, so I got on there and was like, "Hey, sorry to disappoint, uh, but like these guys said, it's it's not really our fault. Um, you know, you could have ordered a couple months ago rather than last minute. Yeah. It seems like two years would have been enough for you. And to learn. two days ago, if you ordered it, you would have had it, but you waited. And now they're sold out. Well, yeah, and and you know, I try to not flip out on people, but people probably if they get to you is the same with me. Probably not going to be the reply they think they're going to get. Yeah, I'm not going to call up and apologize because yeah. <laughs> they decided to wait till last minute. Yeah. And now we're scrambling to do the best we can. And like you, you offered them a different color. Yeah. You, know, you did whatever you could do to make them happy because that's our goal. I mean, I want happy customers and I bust my, my back. Yeah. That's why manufacturers probably don't like me a whole lot. I was going to bring one of them up, not the specific name, but you are very demanding as you should be. For your- I, I expect good customer service and I expect them to do their job. And I give 110%. I will do anything I can humanly do to help out another archer. Yeah. And if you call a manufacturer and you get that, yeah, well, you know, I don't know. And yeah, I know it's a month late. The <laughs> attitude is just like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't. If it was my, my, if I was waiting for the piece of equipment and you tell me, yeah, I know we told you four weeks, now it's 12 and we still don't have it made. I'm like, that's okay. I had a backup plan. Yeah. But my customers, when I tell them it's going to be four weeks, I am giving them my word. Yep. They're looking at me. They're not looking at the manufacturer. They're hearing it out of my mouth. So when you don't back up what you told me, I failed in front of them. They don't think the manufacturer failed. I failed, yeah, and I don't like to fail. I I do everything humanly possible to get people's done, you know, to get their their equipment done, tuned, set up, whatever, or a part I ordered. I mean, I just I have to eat shipping or overnight. You know, it's that's why you're successful because you're willing to give it your all and take care of the customer. So when I go to the manufacturer, I'm the customer. I don't even expect the service I give. I just expect good service. Yeah. That's all. Just give me good service. Give me accurate times or as accurate as possible. So I kind of hold them to the fire. I mean, and they don't, they're not happy with me all the time. I, I just. No, I, as much as I give you shit, I believe I, I, I had coined the nick. I'm not going to say the nickname because you probably don't like it. Danny <laughs> thinks it's awesome, but. I, be, <laughs> People that know me laugh. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing, you are never mean. You just, you, you, you're, you're more serious on, especially on tournament days. You're you're pretty serious. Oh, yeah. You're not yeah, going to have a lot of conversations on tournament days. But yeah, I, you get quiet. You're it, concentrating on um, the job you have to do now. And if you want to win, you yeah. got to give it everything. I mean, so I've copied a lot of shit you've told me over the years. One, and you probably don't remember. I mean, I was very impressionable. And you had said something. If somebody asks you to drop a quarter, and if people are going to laugh because I've used this a lot, into a jar hundred times in a row, probably by 20 or 30, you're going to start not paying attention. You're going to miss. And then you said, but if somebody said, I'll give you a million dollars, if you drop it in that jar a hundred times, that's the concentration you have to have on every shot to win at, at the level you were at. Just can't ease up. You have to. I, well, I think I only beat you one time in the entire time we shot together. And I was pretty excited about that. And uh, you may, did I, I think I beat you once at a state shoot. In a 3D. It was yeah, in. I don't, I don't doubt it. Uh, well, again, I was young and I was extremely happy about that. So I'm going to remember that. But um, <laughs> I, shortly after that, I kind of had this, I don't have it in me to shoot tournaments. I don't have that kind of concentration. 
I don't. I, I like to hunt, so that's what I. That's obviously where I steered towards. I can make it twenty targets with a lot of concentration. The next twenty is pretty rough, like real rough. <laughs> and a lot of guys coming up, just like people want to play professional sports or what you know, I want to play basketball. The amount of commitment explains some of that because you've won about everything there is to win. Explain what kind of what's it take to be a world champion because it. I don't think people realize what it takes. You, you literally, I mean, besides being focused. Um, you've got to be committed. I mean, you absolutely have to be committed. 99% of these guys that win tournaments on a regular basis that are consistent, their life is practicing, practicing, practicing. And, you know, for a 3D tournament, it's not just practicing with your bow, it's practicing judging yardage, which is the hardest thing in the world to practice because it's boring. To go out and just judge yardage and not shoot targets is not fun. It's work. I mean, it's a job, but if you want to compete at that level, you've got to be committed. You have to. Um, there's a young shooter at my shop, Matt Nofel, that is the alternate for the Olympic team. Mm-hmm. And that kid, it's funny, I've watched him for years, and he was as committed as I was to what I was doing in 3Ds to the Olympics. And this year was his first year to try out, and he missed it by a couple of points being on, you know, on the team, one of the three, I believe it is, yeah. but he was an alternate, so he traveled over to Tokyo. If one of them got sick or had to drop out, he was in next. He yeah. was, he's on the Olympic team. I mean, but it was really fun watching him over the years. That's how committed I was. Yeah. I worked at the firehouse when I got off. I shot my bow. Yeah, I remember. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> every day. Yeah. And I don't care who you are. If you do something that much and you're that committed, you're going to be one of the best. You know, we're diving all over across the board here, but um, a lot of these questions I'm asking are questions I get. And, and having, I can answer a committed hunting question. I've, I've got that down, right? But uh, it's no different with hunting. We talked about it the other night when you were at Danny's. Getting an animal in front of you is not that hard. Hitting the fucker seems to be pretty difficult for people. <laughs> That's where the yeah. challenge is for some people. <laughs> well, with the recurve, people are like, what's the hardest thing? And I'm like, I can get 40, 20 to 40 yards from anything. Just give me time. Hitting the fucking thing with shit running down both legs is a different story, right? You see, you got to hit it. Um, it. And you get, you know, in the case, and, I, and again, I learned a lot from you and, and Tony Klim, um, Tipton, guys like that, was not just to learn to shoot, but learn to learn the art of the sport, you know, fletching, tuning, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards. But there's also... Um, you know, and I talked about uh, on a recent, but you know, John Barklow with Sitka? Yeah. Barklow and I did a podcast recently. We talked about if your gear's at a level 10 and your knowledge is at two, you need that's, to reassess yeah, your, your Doesn't situation. do any good. So, and, and I had some people message me and be like, so if I'm, if I'm wealthy, I should buy crappy gear. I'm like, dude, if that's what you took out <laughs> of that, for Christ's sake. That's what sake, you got out yeah. of it. <laughs> Not if you're wealthy, you should have more time and you should practice. Yeah. And that's why I was like, man, the, the general, what I was trying to get across is I know a lot of poor guys that kill a lot of shit because they're committed and, and disciplined. You know, so when, when you're kind of, you know, and I'm not saying don't go buy a new bow from Bill every year, but when you, when you buy that new bow, um, pay attention to what the guys are doing at the shop. Learn how to center, certainly just learn basic stuff. The biggest thing is learn to shoot. And I, I'm amazed at, um, and you guys are really good. I've never seen a bad setup bow come out of your shop, and, and I see a lot. I can't say that for a lot of shops. You know, they sell the last one on the rack, but it's an inch too long a draw just to get rid of it. You guys don't yeah, do we that. Don't, I don't do that. No, you, you don't. And I, and I can say that without question because 
I truly, when people come in and they try out bows, I tell them, bows are like boots. It's got to work for you. It's got to fit you. It's got to be the right one. Otherwise, you're never going to shoot it well. Mm -hmm. And if I don't sell the right one, I'll tell you where to go. If you try everything out, you know, and I, I tell people, go to other shops. If it's a brand I don't carry, try them all out. It's nice when you can try them out side to side. That's why I carry so many brands. Um, but if there's, you know, if there's a, a manufacturer out, I don't carry, I'm like, go down the street, shoot that, you know, shoot a Bowtech, whatever that I don't have and compare them all and pick. If you buy it over there and you want me to set it up, I'm going to charge you, Yeah. but I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll make sure it's set up perfect and, you know, tuned perfect, but I want them to have the best equipment for them, not the best equipment I sell because I'm just, we're, we're going to do well with sales no matter what. Yeah. And, you know, we got shields that opened up. I've got, everybody's like, oh, are you worried about shields? I'm like, no, not at all. Box stores increase my business. Yeah. And they have. <laughs> no, they do. Every, you know, I bought the shop and a year later, Sportsman's Warehouse opened up three miles away. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Um, so when, you know, it gets more people into archery, more people than I can reach. Yeah. People come to me that are into archery, but they reach people that are shopping for a fishing rod, walk by the archery department, stop in, and they leave with a bow. Yeah. They go to the range and things aren't working out well, and they talk to people like, "Hey, go down the archery hut; they'll they'll help you out." Well, and I'm not saying that there's not any good bow techs at chain stores, but for the most part, it's not going to be at a level of what you have. Um, Occasionally, you find you'll find a good tech at a you know at a a box store. Sportsman's Warehouse uh, had one, and then Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear stole him. So that was a good one. <laughs> that's uh, typically what Evan, that works for Hoyt. Now, yeah, yep. He was working. I. I can't remember if it was Bass Pro or whatever. Um, came to me, walked in the door and said, I want a job. I want to work in a pro shop. And he was one of my better employees that I've ever had. Um, and that's typically what happens when they gain just enough knowledge and they want to learn more. They know they need to go to a pro shop. I just hired a kid from a pro shop out of Alabama that moving to Colorado, moving to the spring, Shields is opening up, could have got a job with them, could have got anywhere. He goes, I did a lot of research. I looked at all the pro shops. I want to work here. What is, what's it going to take to get you, you know, you to hire me? Yeah. And he's now working there. Yeah. You know, he's committed to archery. Yeah. Great kid. That's good. How old is he? tech. 22. Yeah. So three. That's good because you can mold He started him. working at a pro shop when he was in high school. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, so he's, that's all he's ever known. And the yeah. kid's good. He comes from a very reputable pro shop down in Alabama. And he's golden. Yeah. It's funny with Evan. Have you seen how big Evan has gotten? Oh, my God. Jesus. He's like a roided out Frodo. Um, yeah. He's giant. I mean, he's not on steroids, but I did no, a podcast. No, his mom's a nutritionist. Yeah, yeah. So there's no steroids there. Yeah. He's, he's strict about his nutrition and. He needs to quit wearing tights. I will say those uh, stories <laughs> on Instagram. I'm like, Evan, get off the tights. The tights are too much. But uh, he, uh, I did a podcast with him recently, him and, and Danny on the on the Hoyt podcast. And it's crazy because Evan worked for me. I think I took him from you. And then yeah. I think he went and worked for you again. Yeah, and in between. Work, yeah. Just, yeah. And then went and worked for Hoyt, I, I think. Yeah. So it's it's weird when you talk about commitment, um, kind of you know getting away there. But like. The, the shooting portion of it, hitting, hitting the animal we were talking about the other night, it really doesn't, you know, you can have the nicest gear in the world, but, you know, shooting is something that people, like the easy button is the, the bow, the gear, the pack, the boots. You can, you can buy the look. You, you yeah. can't buy the knowledge. 
Exactly, um, on how to use it. And and so and you've, I mean, as we talked about your tournaments, you've killed more shit than smallpox, I and mean, you've killed a ton of animals all over the place. When you were you, this is something that comes up. Were you naturally good at hitting animals, or or was it something that the more walked by you, the better you got? The more, more you put the on more, the ground. Yeah, the more that walked by me, the better I got. But the more <laughs> I missed, the better I got. I, yeah. I mean, honestly, I remember the first year I shot at it, it was on the ground, a white-tailed deer in New Jersey. I emptied a quiver on it, didn't touch it, <laughs> and started picking arrows up off the ground and continued after that animal and, and never did get it, never did get an arrow into it. Yeah. But I had 23, 17 aluminum arrows cut. To, they weren't cut. They were 32 inches. Back in the day. Yeah. yeah. You walk into a shop, then they hand you a bow. They hand you a dozen uncut arrows. It, they were spined for an 80-pound bow. I was shooting 65 or 70. And <laughs> I mean, nothing nothing worked. I don't care who you were. That You didn't get good arrow flight. They, they had never heard of tuning back then. Yeah. That was something that came about later. Um, you know, so you've got to have the right gear. It's got to be set up right. That stuff is ultra important. But without the proper form and technique, it doesn't do you any good. Yeah. And that's... I think that's one of the reasons our shop does so well is when somebody comes in, even if we've tuned a bow, they're going to pick it up and, uh, you know, they drop it off. We put strings and cables on it. We tune it with us shooting it just to streamline things and get it done faster. But then when they come in to pick it up, we don't just hand them a bow and say, hey, I tuned it. It's shooting great for me. Have fun. It's got to shoot great for them. I put it in their hands. They stand in front of the paper. They shoot through paper. They might have a two-inch tear because of their form, their grip, whatever. If I've got a bullet hole and they have a two-inch tear, they are doing something wrong. Yeah. They might have a half-inch or quarter-inch tear just because of the difference in our form, our grip, our anchor. But if they got a big gash through paper and I get a bullet hole, they are making a mistake. They're doing something wrong. Usually it's in the grip. Sometimes it's too much face, face pressure on the string. But they're doing something wrong that has to be corrected. And that's where the real work begins. When they pick that bow up, it's not... Oh, let's just get them to get a good hole through paper. I want them to be making good shots. One of the first things you pick up on is 35% of all people are punching the crap out of that yeah, trigger. They They're just hammering. The shit out of yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. They wind up and just slam it like trying to knock it out over the fences. So you, you automatically correct the trigger control and wrapping your finger around the trigger and pulling through your shot and squeezing slowly. You get that under control, and then you have them shoot through paper, and they still have a tear because now they're gripping the bow. They're torquing the hell out of it. So I spend as much time as I spent tuning their bow, tuning them up. Yeah. And getting them to make a good shot. And I think that's what sets us aside, obviously, from box stores. Yeah. Um, and, and some other shops, too, is when they leave, they are making a better shot, and their equipment fits them, and it's set up correctly. And they see that success immediately. I have just customer after customer come back and tell me, I am shooting the best I've ever shot in my life. And that's what makes it all worthwhile because we don't make a ton of money at it. But when people come back and they're happy and they're shooting better, and in the end, that means they're going to wound less animals yeah. and kill more animals and make, make better shots. That, that's huge to me. I mean, that's why I'm in this business. Yeah, for sure. And, and you, know, you know, you get... Um... You know, a lot of people think that uh, with a compound, just everybody can shoot Copenhagen lids at 80 yards, right? Yeah. which is not the case. And not going to happen. Not, 
Not no, without uh, practice. No, no. And I mean, you would have a better idea of this than me, but, um, you know, because I have, you know, Levi, a bunch of different people on the podcast, but if you go to an outdoor range or even your uh, Bill Pellegrino's archery hut in, in August 1st, right? Everybody's getting ready. And there's 20 people on the line. How many of those 20 do you think can shoot proficiently past 60? On a, on a bet. Past 60? Past 60. One. Okay. We're, we're on maybe, the same. Maybe one, two. Maybe two. Yeah. We're, a good day. So when I, I, you know, getting into the stick bow and stick bow guys bitching about compound guys that it's too easy, I'm like, now I did take some farther shots than I should have, and I've been very candid about that. And one of the reasons I'm probably addicted to the stick bow is I got to get close now. I can't w- w- wing one out there. I mean, I, 40 is far, right, with the, with the stick. So I'm like, guys, not just the ability to shoot, tuning is another, you know, at longer distances is a big, maybe a field tip might hit, but a, a broadhead's not going to hit if it's not tuned. And when I hear, like, um, compound hunters are getting too successful, I'm like, they uh, document that shit, and it is that is not the case, right? We're still at Those the same, numbers are not that high. Yeah, seven percent, right? Fourteen and yep. a high unit. Um, and not to say you can't be extremely proficient at shooting a bow at longer distances, but you don't take very far shots. You're a forty and in type of guy, um, for the most part. Honestly, it's it's so rare for me to shoot over forty. I just and I know at forty and under, in my mind. I am 100% certain I'm going to kill that animal. In my mind, before that arrow leaves that bow, I am truly 100% certain I'm going to kill that animal. I've been wrong. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Things can can go wrong. You can hit a branch. Confidence is key, though. Yeah. Yeah. But no, you've got to believe you can take that shot and make it. And and me, my personality, I've got to be certain. I just, I've passed up way more animals than I should have. I, at 90%, if I look at it and go, I'm 90% certain I can kill that on this shot, I'm not taking the shot. Yeah. I just have to know in my head. And I'm not saying that I'm 100% successful on every shot, but before the arrow leaves, I'm not a person that says, I'm pretty sure I can hit that. I, I'm not taking the shot. Pretty yeah. sure it's not enough. I've got to feel that I'm certain. So me, 40 yards and under, I know. When I shoot a broadhead, I don't ever shoot it at 20 yards. Yeah. Because I could truly draw the bow get the pin on the target, wait a few seconds with my eyes closed at 20 yards and hit it. Yeah. It's not telling me at 20 yards anything about my shooting and my tune on the bow. I shoot every, every broadhead is just shot at 40 yards. I, I walk up, I tune my bow, I sight it in field points, I shoot it. And then I put my broadhead on, I set the target at 40 yards. Yeah. And I start shooting because at 40 yards, I'll know in a hurry if that bow's on or not. If it hits the spot at 40 yards, and my field points are hitting the spot. I know I know. I got a bow that's shooting, and I'm shooting it well. But I know out to 40 yards. It's just no doubt in my mind. It's probably like other people's 20-yard shot. Mm-hmm. Do I practice long range? Absolutely. I love shooting 80, 90, 100 yards. Not, not with broadheads and not hunting, but I love the practice at those ranges because if I make the smallest mistake at 100 yards, it's magnified, and I see it on the target. I can make mistakes at 20, 30, 40 yards and still hit that dot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the long distance shooting thing, and, and again, my world has obviously changed greatly with the recurve. Um, um, it, when you, um, I'm going to sound like a crusty old fart, but uh, one, one of the things I've had guys get a hold of me about tuning, like, hey, my broadheads are hitting low at 90. I'm like, well, get 
get fucking closer. Like I, <laughs> you know, I'm like wind drag is a bitch. There's nothing you can do about it. some fixed blades. I've been able to get it hit at 80, but I, it, it is difficult. They're slowing down fast. There's yep. more friction, more turbulence, more everything. When Levi brought up, he's like, if you're telling me that your broadheads and in, in or your broadheads and field tips hit the same at 80 and 100, there's probably something wrong, wrong. with your setup. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so, and yeah. Trying to explain to people uh, some of this is like, if you're 80 from an animal, 40 isn't that hard to get to. And again, this is my new outlook in the last since 16 shooting a stick bow because I had to get closer. Like I didn't have a choice. Like I, when I first picked that thing up, I'm like, I have to reassess my fucking hunting skills. Like this is not good (laughs) because I'd have something pop up at 60. I just shoot it. Well, now 60 is a, a par three, right? Especially when I first started, 20 was about, <laughs> it, about it. And so what I had, had found out is a lot of times you shoot bigger animals because more stuff comes out. Like, you know what I mean? And I, I'd been never pinned down with a compound for five hours. I have been pinned down many times with that stick bow because they're, they're bedded at 80. Well, next thing you know, another buck comes in at 20 that I didn't even know was there because I've been stuck there for yeah, five hours. you've been hours. sitting there for five hours and all kinds of stuff happens. It, and, and I've become truly, um, I, I don't have your discipline. I do shoot farther. And I'm very, I'm very candid about that. And I, and I don't want to do that, but it's difficult for me to not, I feel confident in my shooting at 70 to, to, to take a 70-yard shot. With a stick bow, it's, it's weird. I don't, I don't take shots that I don't feel comfortable with. And just like you, when I say that meaning... When you take a 40-yard shot with a stick, shit has to be perfect. That's, yeah, and, that's, and, that is a 90-yard shot for a compound bow. Well, and I've shot th- four animals at 40. Um, I, well, I shot a hog at 57. That was another dude's bow, and it was a pig. Not to say pigs don't have a soul, but I really didn't How give a How far was the goat you shot last year? The antelope with Danny, wasn't that? 40, yeah. right at 40. That's one of the ones He came I back, he goes, you wouldn't believe what he did. I was like, what? He goes, with that stick bow... He 12 ring that thing at 40 yards. He said, I never seen anything like it. I was like, dude, that's, that is an accomplishment. What? Hell, hitting one at 20 <laughs> with a stick bow is an accomplishment. At yeah. 40, that's that, nothing short of amazing. Well, I, I practice a lot. And, and, uh, and I will say I hadn't lost a tournament with a stick. I got my ass handed to me by Daniel Collins at the best, the best shoot. Now, he just won the ASA and IBO World. He shot. We the didn't shoot the from, best. <laughs> fuck, man. He. Now, he's a 19-year-old. You would truly like to be around Daniel. He's the one you pray your daughter marries. Christian kid. Uh, my, my wife, we called him after the, how you doing? He's like, sir, I couldn't answer. Uh, Mr. Aaron, I was in church. And you, my wife goes, Jesus Christ, <laughs> of course he was. And, uh, <laughs> but we go to this tournament, and the first day we shoot, I had him by a five about halfway through, and I was feeling pretty good. And he, he ended up beating me by six points. And I'm like, yeah, I can run with him. Wrong. So the, the final day, he shoots a 210. Not from the stick bow stakes. Uh, he shot him from the compound stakes. Wow. I, at that point, had not That's lost. That's impressive. It was amazing, right? I shot, I think, a 178, and he beat me like and a And that's rented. a good score. I mean, that's a great score. Well. For a trad guy. That's he, a, the kid's just amazing, right? Yeah. I mean, but when we, he was talking about, he's only shot, he's just started. He shot one animal with a stick bow, and he was asking about, you know, hunting. And I said, well, man. The, the thing that I have going for me with hunting is I can shoot, and I generally hit what I'm aiming at, but I also... I've lived out here for, you know, I'm used to yeah. backpack hunting. I told him, I was like, dude, you're 19. You're going to have a great career in front of you because you, you well, I'm a little rough around the edges. I'm like, dude, you can barely jerk off. You have a long <laughs> career ahead of you. You're good. <laughs> you're and just he, starting <laughs> out, man. Yeah. It's just going to get better. And he's six foot 
probably six four, six five, so long draw. Yeah. And um, anyway, when when we were talking about some of the the different, you know, the hunting stuff, I said the one thing that I, when I picked up the stick, I was so worried about distance. I mean, I just was flat out because coming from a compound, and I practiced at forty a lot. Lo and behold, I didn't take that's. I didn't need to. Yeah, it's your sweet spot. When you practice at that one range, yeah. it's just, it's amazing because you know you spend a lot of time at one range, especially with a stick bow. Yeah. It, well, one of those deer out there uh, on, on the floor in front of us, uh, I stalked into 16, and, and this was when I was, you know, I'm only a couple years into it. I looked back, and my buddy Harder was laughing. He's like, were you trying to scoot back? And I'm like, Yeah. I'm a lot better uh, <laughs> at farther distances than I am at 16. So I had to re I practiced more. I got close and I got a bunch of 3Ds and I just wore them out at 10 to 25. Well, the, the thing that with archery, without sounding too much like a dick, you never hear get closer. You, you, you hear a lot. When I say that, meaning a lot of guys just try to shoot farther. Like, hey. Yeah. How do I get, you know, I'm only getting 74 out of my sight. How do I get 100? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, they'll, they, should we, I shoot we a We can change your anchor point or you well, can get closer to the, the animal. I mean, you're in, you're in muzzleloader and rifle range. How about you get within bow range? Well, that's why I was like, well, I'm like, your pee pipe is not very high. So that's why. Yep. And, and he's like, well, I've been thinking about shooting a, a lighter arrow. And I'm like, oh, my fuck. Oh, I'm like, my God. I'm like, hey, look, it's not that difficult to get within 40. Sub 20s. Very difficult, right? I mean, it's a different world, sub-20, yeah. especially on the ground. I'm like, man, I can get within 40 yards at just about anything with relative ease. Not all the time, but, I mean, it's not that hard. Yeah. At, if I get closer than 20, it's typically because they came to me. Yeah. Well, just it's, it's hard once you get 20 yeah. yards. If they're not bedded down and sleeping, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. I, I shot my first mule deer with, with Frank. My broadhead was between its antlers when I drew back. No bullshit. That's how close <laughs> I was. And I was, I'd never been in that situation with a compound. And Frank is no, watching. because you took the shot 30 yards ago. Oh, yeah. You, well, you Frank, stopped and shot. Frank's watching this and the, the wind's blowing. So every gust, I took a step. And at gust, I took, and then I get to 12 yards. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stand it up. I threw like four rocks. I didn't see a tine move. Get up. And I'm like, hmm, I can get on top of this rock and probably take a shot. So the first step I took, the wind blew me off and I had big, just wool socks on and blew me back and it didn't hear me. So the next I got up and the shadow was in it. I'm like, he's going to think I'm a mountain lion. And so I, my little, my fat ass is crouched down and I get my, my arrow down there and it's literally between his rack. And I, I drew back and I hit and you're it. you're on top of him. Above I about him. shit my pants, man. Mm -hmm. and, and it did not help my confidence in distance shooting because it was like three or four feet. And so I can hear Frank yelling. I shot it, you know, straight down or ran 70 yards and died. And I, you know, I told Frank, I was like, this stick bow is like a love-hate thing. I'm like, there's days <laughs> I want to snap it in half and there's other days because the, the reward you get from yeah. getting closer is much greater. When um, you're that close and your heart's pounding and you can hear it and you're wondering if the animal can hear it. I think whitetails can. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's truly, I mean, even with a compound, my goal is to get, the closer I get, the more dead it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the bottom line. If I'm at 40, I can kill it. I'll get to 30. If I can get to 30, I'll try and get to 20. Yeah. Now, when I get to 20, the compound, yeah. it's, it's game time. I'm <laughs> yeah. shot. I don't, I don't want to be 15, 10. He's going to hear me draw my bow. Yeah. The, 
So the art of noise and camo has become a lot higher oh, for me than absolutely. It, like people give me shit because I spray paint my limbs, and I'm like, well, you haven't blown enough deer out because I get the first time that black carbon shiny limb blew a deer out. Like what the what am I saying? It's shiny, you know, a, a carbon, and so I spray paint them, and guys give me because I'll have a brand new custom bow, and it I paint them like I did my ARs. I take a rattle can and a stencil, and I I spray paint them. And they're like, does that really matter? And I'm like, go stand at 30 yards and watch this fucker shine in your living room. You're going to, there's going to be It's like something. somebody's got a mirror in their hand. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and so the other thing too is, you know, camo in the face and noise. Like Matt Davis, he used to work for Hoyt. Um, Matt, we were on a uh, hunt in Alberta. He walked up to this buck like he walked into 7-Eleven with the wind. He was 18 yards from it, but it's cold and his nose is dripping. One, one across that bina harness and, and that deer blew. I mean, and I'm talking, it ran to probably Saskatchewan. And uh, people don't realize with this, you know, when you're sub 20, it's a different Arrows world. are horrible. You got six arrows on a quiver. I, yeah. had a, I had a buddy, I was in Arizona hunting javelina. Yeah. I was on one hillside, he was in the other and he kind of disappeared and I was glassing. I looked over, I didn't see him. Then he took a step and it looked like he opened a car door <laughs> because those six arrows, that sun hit him right. And I was yeah. like, what the? Hell, I'm like, what does he have on his arrows? Yeah. Here's the sad part. He was using the same exact, when he, we met up again, I'm like, dude, what arrows are you shooting? And he goes, I won't say the brand, but he, yeah, I looked at him and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Is what? I said, I'm using the same damn arrows. There's like a mirror. So the, the ones, and this isn't um, a knock and you can take that sheen down, victories and FMJs. They're bright. Oh. Um, or was it one of those? It was shiny. I, you know, you're talking like 20 years yeah, ago. It might have been aluminum. I don't know. Yeah, but but it was the same exact era. I was. I'm thinking whatever the hell he's shooting, I would never shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and they were in my quiver. I well, mean, they're in my quiver, and I'm like, oh my god, this is bad. Well, it's 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 uh stuff like we're talking about is, and I've been criticized. I, I'll have my wife hide behind a tree, um, and this with a stick bow, and I'll shoot 50, and she'll hide behind a tree at 30 or 40. And she doesn't, I'm like, I don't tell her. I'm like, you just call it out when it's loud, honey. And there's certain broadheads and she'll be like, Jesus, get rid of that one. <laughs> and, or, or veins, flexing, yeah, yeah, veins flexing configuration. And, and broadheads, exactly. Feathers are loud. So I shoot the, the trad veins, but like we were experimenting on feathers to, uh, you know, to veins, noise. Dude, it's eight, 800% louder. And so there was a couple whitetails I'd missed where on film, I'm like, man, that thing ducked a foot, foot and a half. Well, then I went and stood. I was like, hey, man, will you shoot by me? You know, my buddy. And, he, you know, we, we had a, a ladder stand back at camp. Dude, a, a, a very drunk human could get out of the way of that arrow. And I'm exactly. like, I got to reassess the situation. I, I got a good buddy down in uh, Texas. His name is Aaron. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's as anal as anybody I know when it comes to noise. Yeah. And he's, he set up a deal, a box, and he pulled up some kind of a meter on his phone that yeah. measures sound, and he put that phone in the box. He opened up both ends because he didn't want, he could, he could register any kind of a breeze that would show up on that meter. And he's been testing for the last few months. He's been testing broadheads and veins. Um, I was using a vein for years that was really loud, and I knew it, and most of the time it worked, but every now and then something would duck, and I'd yeah. hit it high. Uh, and that's when I learned that these real soft, pliable veins that yeah. are really, really easy to put on an arrow are typically your loudest veins. They yeah. flutter. They yeah. get going so fast that they flutter and make a lot of noise. I've, I switched this year 
yeah, about a year ago, not even six months ago, to tack veins. Yeah. Because they're stiff and they're quiet. And there's a lot of different ones on the market now, and that's because of drop-away rest. We can go to a super stiff vein. Yeah. We don't need, you know, I'm kind of old school. Yeah. Things I learned 20, 30 years ago is still in my head. So I've got to rethink all the time. You know, it's, it, you know, back then it was, if the Fletch contacts something you wanted to give, guess what? Rest now, the quality that they are, ham skis and rests like that, that yeah. they're out of the way and you're not going to have contact. So you don't need a soft vein. Trad is totally different. Well, and the thing that's nice about trad is you no, don't get the flutter because the bow is slower than the second yeah. coming of Christ, right? Exactly. It's just not it's but, like flying at 300 feet per second. Yeah. Well, and I've people ask me all the time. I'm a fan of, um, I shoot AAE hybrids. Tack veins are good. A stiffer, a little bit lower profile vein. Yeah. And I'll shoot a four fletch low profile. Um, and I don't shoot helical on a compound. I just don't have never needed it. Offset has been enough. Um, but with the stick, I've got, I shoot that AAE, I use that AAE Mini Max Fletcher. Yeah. I'd been using a Bitsenberger and then I had a last chance um, uh, fletching jig from um, Last Chance Archery. Yeah. But you can about wrap half a chicken wing with that yeah. AAE Mini All the way around it. Oh, exactly. Jesus. So I went to three, three inch uh, with that and you just don't get the noise. And the tack vein is almost like a modified uh, flex fletch back in the day. Flex yeah, fletch was exactly. pretty stiff. When people ask me, and I'm like, look, you don't have to do what I tell you, but you ask me my opinion. I'm not a big fan of blazers. I'm not saying they don't work, right? I mean, they're blazers. That's, that's the vein I used forever. Yeah. And didn't realize how loud it was until I sat down range and had somebody else shoot my bow. And I'm like, yeah. It's like incoming. <laughs> you don't hear it go by, you hear it coming. So my wife's Italian, and I mean, she's fucking Italian, right? And, and when I say that she's everything that, because you're Italian. Um, very loud, very boisterous, takes up a room. So I have her and I'm, we're testing for, for compounds, multiple different fletch configurations. And one was a blazer and Bonding don't hate me, but she leans behind the tree and goes, that's fucking loud. And I was like, <laughs> how bad? She's like double. And, and I'd never been a blazer fan. I didn't like the higher profile short. I'd like a longer, lower profile. Was and I, I've, I shot a ton of animals with blazers. I, I they remember. work. I mean, they work. There's, you know. Yeah, it was just a noise for but me. It's, yeah. And I knew they were noisy, but I didn't worry about it because 99% <laughs> of the time it didn't affect it. But there is that, that animal that's going to react to it and I, you're going to end up shooting high or over it or spining it or. I always say it, it works until it doesn't. Exactly. And, That's, and there's no truer statement. The collective of experience, obviously you have greater, you know, much greater than most. There's, certainly. there's some, I hate naming brands, yeah. but <laughs> there's some expandables out there that have a reputation. Guys love or hate them. Yeah. And the guys that love them, they're working. The guys yeah. that hate them, they worked until they didn't. didn't. And that's the problem. The guys that love them will... Most of them will eventually hate them when they fail on a giant animal they don't deploy. The blades break or bend or, or they we, open up in flight. We you know, mentioned brands on here, so you can if you want. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons why people listen to this is we're very candid about that. And when I say that, meaning a, a dead meat, one of the loudest broadheads I'd ever heard, one of the most accurate. Just, just tap it while it's on the shaft. Yeah. The blades rattle. Well, and, and so... and. I, I'm, I'm, I'm known as an asshole, but an honest one, right? And so I'm like, yeah, thing leaves an insane hole. It yeah. sounds like a maraca, right? Put six of them in your quiver and shake that bad boy. So guys are like, I'm going to put wax on it. And I'm like, if you have to do that much to the broadhead with as many are out there, 
Now they've improved on them now. Um, yeah, their their first generation was yeah. rough. I mean, it it was like a baby's rattle yeah. on the end of your arrow. Well, and it to the point where like when we're we're testing these, um, it, it, there was other broadheads we had tested that, um, especially on depredation hunts, that didn't open. And yeah. and, and I mean, this isn't a story on archery talk. We found the fucking deer and it didn't open. Like we we were able to dissect it, and so. Frank had hit a doe that went 200 yards, and it, and it was um. I won't mention that one because I have a friend shooting him and he'll kill me. But uh, <laughs> I, it literally um we got up to it had pencil hole front and back, and I'm like, and this was their newest elite broadhead, and and in that time I was shooting a, a stick, right? I everything opens with a stick. You got a you got a fixed blade. Well, we started like really um diving down the rabbit hole um, of these, these broadheads. And so one of them was, and I don't give a shit about this, an NAP kill zone. They had changed manufacturers, and it was decent at one time, and it became a piece of shit. And, and I don't mind telling, I don't want people to buy them. And may, maybe they changed again, but the color of the ferrule changed in color, and the fuckers were breaking going in into a Reinhardt 18 and 1. Blades coming yeah. off. Well, NAP got a hold of me, and I'm like, fix your shit. I'm like, you're, we're taking animals' lives here. Yeah. Like this, I'm sorry your broadhead sucks. And, and I was an advocate of them when they were good. I, I didn't mind them. Well, Frank's shooting one target, no, no blade, right, on, on, the, on these, some of these broadheads we're testing. And then he put five arrows in a cow elk, and I'm, on a, I'm guiding a mountain goat hunter in Washington or helping a buddy. He messaged me, he's like, Dude, do some of these mechanicals not ever open? And I'm like, yeah, man, sometimes they don't. And he's like, this cow looks like a fucking pincushion. And I'm like, are you hitting it good? And Still he's like, alive. Yeah. He's like, and Frank's got a bit of a sense of humor. He's like, I believe I'm going to have to use my uh, Native American tracking skills and stab it. He goes, dude, I'm out of arrows. And I hit it every time. And I'll bring that one up off the air, but five arrows, not one of them open. And when you, when you go to a shop like yours, as much... I will sound like an asshole here, but a lot of times you go to a chain store. It's a 19 to 21 year old kid that's reading a lot of archery talk and a lot of yeah. His knowledge has been gained online, online instead of real life. And, and when you gain it on real life, it's usually one of those ones that's a hard earned lesson, like touching a stove. You never forget. Yeah, you don't. Yep. And I think what was a Rocket was a big one back in the day when I Rocket knew you. Rocket Steelhead, yeah. when they came out, I think it was two brothers in Minnesota or something, yep. was an incredible little head. It truly, truly, because it was so short and the blades were closed up so tight, you could sight in a field point with the worst tune in the world and that broadhead would still hit the exact same point as your field point. Mm -hmm. And then it got bought out by a company. They went to China with it. And they went shit. And it, I've never seen... I'm not even sure the words to use. I've never seen a product that works so well turn into the biggest piece of garbage I've ever seen in my life. Blades that would not cut butter. Yeah. That you could, you could hand a two-year-old and tell them it's a toy and they'll never get hurt. Yeah. Because that's what, and that's, you see it unfortunately in the arch, archery industry in the last 10 years. I've seen it over and over. Small companies are usually started out by guys like you and me. They, they just, come up with an idea and they run with it and they make it the best they can. They use the best metal. They, they do everything to the best of their ability and they come up with a really good product and it works and it gets successful. Yeah. 
And then one of the large companies comes in and buys it because it's got a reputation. Yeah. It's, they're a, selling, a, they're a selling a ton of them. Um, exactly. Something like that. Yep. Yeah. They come in and they buy them and it's a business to them. Yeah. They've invested whatever, $750,000 to buy this guy's business. And they immediately go, okay, how can we make it cheaper and sell more of them? Yeah. Because now our profit's going to double. And the answer to that too many times is go to China and let them build it for pennies on the dollar. And it's, it literally turns into garbage. It takes a good product and absolutely Ramcap broadheads. Yep. It was honestly, it's one of the best broadheads ever made. One of the best. Those things left holes that were like, oh my God. Looked like a gun hit it. Yeah. It just, it just, I felt bad for animals that I was shooting. (laughs) I honestly did. I was like, you poor bastard. You have no idea what's, what's about to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would just wreck animals. And then all of a sudden, after several years of using them, I had guys coming back in and they're like, hey, I shot a ramp cat at this animal. My feral broke. I'm like, what are you talking? You can't break a feral on that. Like, yeah. And the guy said, he looked at me, he goes, ever since they went to Taiwan, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. He goes, well, they're making them in Taiwan. I'm like, no, they have. They're not making them in Taiwan. They're made here in this country. He walks over to my rack, gets a package. <laughs> I've got 50 of them up there. Yeah. Comes back and says, turns it over and says, look, and in fine print at the bottom. I didn't know it had been sold. I didn't know they went to Taiwan with it. They, they ruined a, just a beautiful Gra- broadhead. Gravedigger, uh, the fixed blade hybrid. Yeah. Um, that was another one. And I'm very good friends with the, the old owner, and he's got a new Jekyll and Hyde broadhead. I can't remember. Um, it, yeah, the Jekyll and the Hyde. One's a fixed and one's the hybrid. That head, when it came out, I, I loved it. And then I'm... I'm Having guys call me, man, they're dull. And it's saying, no way. And well, he sold it to, I, I won't mention names. He sold it. Broadhead went to shit. And, and it sucks because I don't stay on top of it all the time. So no, I, it's, I, I, I buy and sell this yeah. stuff and I can't stay on top. Here I am, you know, ordering ramp cats. I'm calling the same number. I had no idea they were sold. Yeah. You know, if you don't read about it in a magazine, I'm too busy working to stay up on that stuff. While we're talking about that, what is your, because um, j- we just posted today a, a podcast with the Ranch Ferry, uh, believe it or not, that he named himself. Um, he's a guy he out really? of Texas. Yeah, I, I, thought I, people, I know all about him. I, 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 I thought people were fucking with me when they said that. Like, And I'm like, is that his real name? What the fuck? Who would name himself Ferry? <laughs> so he's- um got a lot of confidence. Yeah, no, no. He's certainly obnoxious. Um, he, I'd never been interrupted that much on a podcast. I didn't care, but I mean- I've already gotten probably 50 messages about that dude cut you off a, a ton. And I don't care. He's a very energetic guy, but he, I had a lot of guys messaging me, Hey, the ranch fairy said this. And I'm like, well, the ranch fairy's shooting fucking pigs in Texas and corn, hang off a cliff and shoot an 800 grain arrow at a mule deer at 48 yards. And let me know how that works for you. So See now I, I thought honestly, cause this is my pet peeve in archery right now yeah. is the whole heavy arrow. So what let's, We'll, we'll dissect it's, that here in a minute because I had Bob Fromm call me and I'm like yelling at me, you know, as a friend. And I'm like, Bob, I don't promote that shit, right? I said, I, I've got to shoot a heavier with a stick bow. I said, yeah. I, I promote, and, and I've done multiple podcasts with Dudley on this. When I was winning a lot of tournaments, as you, fuck my fuck was, I never checked it. I didn't FOC. I, I'm, I could have figured it out, but it, the arrow tune, that's what I shot. So with a, a compound, I was generally, you know, 
125 grain head, 50 grain brass sense, 175 and figured it out. And, and I never really paid attention. Now I shot 80, 90 pounds. So my arrow by default was heavier, but guys would message me and I'm like, Hey, you know what? 475, 525, 70, 29, you know, you're, you're good. Don't stress over it. And I've had like Danny McCarthy shoots a 420 grain arrow, killed a ton of shit. And this heavy FOC thing has come into play like a lot. And I'm like, guys, when you shoot that heavy of FOC, it becomes a tuning nightmare. Pro shops don't have what, what it's so out of left field. You could tune a heavy FOC, but you know, most people, when you walk in and you have 300 grams up front on a compound, there's, there's problems with arrow rest. Yeah. There's a lot of problems with everything. Yeah. Um, so I, I got the ranch ferry on and tried to be a voice of reason, you know, in the happy medium. And I like a heavier arrow. But I, not extreme. So Yeah, I don't believe in ultralight arrows for hunting. It's yeah. a bad, bad plan. Yeah. But the other end of the spectrum is ultra-heavy arrows. Yeah. Bad, bad plan. It, it, well, and I've always been, anybody that asks, I'm like, anything in the extreme, I'm sketchy of. Exactly. And so my wife's killed 20 animals in three years. 420 grain arrow, fixed blade head. No problem. She doesn't take shots that are And draw, draw weight is what? 48 pounds. And um, draw length? 28, 27 and a half. She's got a good draw. She's, she's, I, yeah. When I said she's six foot, I yeah, she really is. Edges, she's 5'11". Yeah, she's tall. <laughs> but, you know, she, um, you know, setting her bow up and talking to her and getting everything figured out, you know, we shoot mechanicals at turkeys. I'm a big fan of mechanicals. Yep, at exactly. At everything else. Big, big cutting diameter on a bird. Yeah, and I buy the biggest mechanical. Exactly. Like the biggest one I sell is what I use on turkey. It, Knock the shit out of them. So she's killed... Eight or nine whitetails, a couple mule deer spot and stock. I mean, she's done good pigs. No problem at all zipping through it. So, and, and I'll shut up here in a minute and let you take over. But the big thing is this bone-breaking Ashby 650. I'm like, who's aiming at the fucking leg? Thank you. And my thing Thank is. You. is if, if, here, go ahead. I got to cut you off for a second. No, no. If, if my goal is to build an arrow to prepare for taking a shitty shot and hitting them in the worst place practice what what the <laughs> hell am i trying to i don't want to practice i want to build an arrow so i can make shitty shots yeah that's i mean that's my takeaway oh well what if if you do and it's not first of all i'm going to practice to make the best shot i can mm -hmm. and if you're going to hit such a heavy bone that you're talking about if you're going to hit square in the shoulder that arrow and no arrow anybody's going to build out of a compound bow is going to destroy that arrow. You need a gun to get through that part of the shoulder. The shoulder blade, a yeah, different shoot. story. Yeah. But you can you can do it with a recurve. Yeah, I, I shoot. I, I aim at the golden triangle. And sometimes that scapula goes right through. Not, yeah. not a big deal. I'm not aiming at the fucking leg. Is the, exactly. The well, people listening to this, I want to make sure that people remember. Um, so we've had Dudley, Levi, uh, Gilling, multiple very, very accomplished hunters and, and shooters. Um, you guys all say the same thing. Everyone. It's my, my absolute pet peeve. Speed kills animals. I mean, it absolutely does. It, and I don't want to, I don't want to set up so fast that it's critical. Yeah. I don't shoot three. I can tune a bow and set it up and shoot 320 feet per second. But I do believe at a point you get, you get to a point with speed where if it's too much, again, yeah. it's an extreme yeah. and it's a bad thing. Things get critical. You're trying to make a good shot. You don't, your worst shot you're going to make is going to be at an animal most of the time. Yeah. That's when your heart's pounding, your legs are shaking, you're, 
you're just a mess and it's hard to make your best shot. So your worst shot is going to probably happen when you're hunting. So I want a forgiving setup. I want a, a bow and a setup that's going to perform. When I make my worst shot, it's still going to hit. That's my goal. So I want a forgiving setup. At 280 feet per second, 290 feet per second, I can do that. Yeah. I, I find that once I go over 300, things start becoming a little more critical. I promote 265 to 280. 290 at a max. Yeah, 290 is my max. That's it. I don't, I don't want to be over 290. Well, most of the shit I'm repeating, I learned from you. So that makes sense. But um, <laughs> uh, so when I, having gone through the, um, the speed freak stage and hitting a couple animals with mechanicals, should have had penetration with a 390 grain arrow. I, okay, let's shoot a little heavier. And then I, and I shoot heavier poundage. My, my point that I push to everyone is good speed, good flight, decent weight, let her rip. Right, yep. you you want a happy medium across the board. Exactly. And when you have too light an arrow, the bow is louder. When you have too heavy of an arrow, the bow is slow but quiet. Yep. So if you have a moderately weighted arrow, it's going to be best of best both of worlds. both worlds. Absolutely. So to me, that weight wise, I think a, a anywhere from four hundred four hundred is on the light side of yeah. the spectrum, up to four fifty, um, and I typically favor that four twenty to four hundred forty grains. Yeah, that's a good what i call medium weight arrow it's not light it's not heavy bows now manufacturers have spent years and years and years and countless dollars developing bows to be super efficient mm -hmm. i mean they are at the top talk to manufacturers and they can't without changing brace height or you know yeah you can go with a four inch brace height and nobody can shoot it yeah you can do stupid things to a bow to make it faster, but honestly, without spending a fortune on materials that cost so much more, it would make the bow so expensive nobody want it. So they're, they're, they've topped that at speed. They've well, absolutely topped that at speed. But they've gotten to that point where they made that bow so efficient, and I forgot what the number is, but you can call it Matt McPherson. He can tell you, I don't know if it's like 83 or 87% or whatever, they, the energy from the bow is going into the arrow. The rest goes back into the bow. Well, when you can transfer that, that energy at full draw to the arrow, you've maximized the speed. And they've done this to make the bows as fast and as flat as possible. Yeah. Which has worked great because now you have no problem. The average guy can shoot 280 feet per second, which is really good speed. Yeah. And now when you make that mistake judging two or three yards, you've lessened, you've minimized how much it's going to affect your point of impact. Yep. When you go to that... 600 grain arrow two to three yards at 40 yards could be a world of difference and and that's the thing i try to explain to people on my end is i shot that but i shot 85 pounds so i'm still at 280 right so yeah. it's a difference that's well, great that can, at 80, if you can get 280 at 85 pounds you want to shoot a 600 grain arrow do it but it's it's a matter of um the uh, paralleling across the board you shoot 70 pounds you're going to be at a 480 grain arrow or, or yeah, whatever you know what exactly. i mean exactly so, what I base it off of isn't like 420 is a little light for, 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 again, I'm a 450 to 550 guy, right? And that usually guy with a 29 inch draw, roughly 70 pounds, you know, 475, you're going to blow through just about anything in North America. The thing that I get in these arguments with, and it's different because I have a stick, so I'm at 580, but my compound arrow and my, my, my trad arrow is the same weight because I'm shooting 80, 90 pounds out of my compound is 
the leg, just percentages. I mean, God forbid the, the, the voice of reason and mathematics step in. Comes in. Yeah, the liver and that. stomach are a lot happen. Well, the liver and stomach are a lot bigger than the leg. So the chance of hitting liver and stomach are ex, uh, exponentially larger Much than, higher. than hitting a leg bone. So I, I hear the, you know, the, the single bevel, um, you know, three to one ratio, bone breaking penetration. And it's like, as an example, and, and again, this is coming from a guy who's very accomplished. What's it take to go through the shoulder knuckle of an animal? 300, 300 wind mag? Yeah, a rifle. Okay. Yeah. What's it take to go through the leg? Of an elk uh, or a deer? Let's say, uh, let's, well, let's go up. We'll say whitetail mule deer and elk. What, what would you say would go through Talking the- Talking below the body leg? Uh, nope, nope. Just below the knuckle, um, you know, where you're still going to catch the heart, let's say. Um, what would you say would take to go through that leg? Uh, you know, I've never hit one there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> so I've hit them on the exit, right, with a stick bow. And I've broken the offside leg, but I didn't go through it. I just, I just broke it. So when, when I, I'm trying to be the voice of reason for people on a whitetail specifically, um, the chance of hitting the grass basket and the liver a hell of a lot higher than hitting the leg. Oh, hell yeah. And so, and that's just sheer match percentages. Yeah. The leg ain't very big. Well, when an animal spins, especially whitetail or, or ducks, but oh, let's say they spin out. They don't spin towards you. Yeah, exactly. They spin away. Yep. And, and so generally you're hitting the stomach. I mean, you can and, or liver. And so like I had Chris Rowe, you know, boisterous Chris Rowe is right. That motherfucker can talk, by the way, four and a half hour podcast. Chris. <laughs> um, three monsters later, Chris is still talking. And we had to do another one the next day because he didn't cover everything he wanted to talk about. Well, he came in like I'm promoting these crazy setups and I'm like. I don't promote that shit. I was like, what are you talking about? I, I promote a moderate setup. And I said, honestly, I think guys hunting whitetails, because it's generally 20 yards, should shoot a big fixed blade or a big mechanical. Um, because the, ch the chances of you hitting the leg aren't nearly as great as hitting. A, a, you hit something with a 338 Lapua compared to a 223, they're going to know they got hit. So they're going to bed down quicker with a stomach hit if it happens. And he was bitching to me about, Things that I'm like, you need to listen to more podcasts because that is not what I'm. Because um, I I shoot a two inch, and I, you know, and he's probably like me. He automatically thinks you've been in the trad bows long enough now. So the mindset is truly, you know, with the trad bow. Because I tell people, I said heavier arrow, there's a place for it. Yeah, you know, a heavier arrow that I consider heavier. That's trad bows. Yeah, that's people with extremely short yeah. and lightweight setups. You know, if you're a 25, 26 inch draw, 40 pounds. Yeah. You've got no trajectory. You're going to live and die by the rangefinder. Yeah. No matter what arrow and, you and shoot. probably a max 35-yard shot. Yeah. And then design of the broadhead, smaller cutting diameter, cut on contact. You know, there's a place for penetration. And that place is the trad setups. Yeah. They've got to really think hard and look at what they're shooting. We don't have technology behind us like a compound. Yeah. yeah. You, well, you're not going to get that energy. I was talking about that efficiency. Yeah. But nowadays... There's not a bow on the market that's not super efficient, super fast, and has a ton of kinetic energy and momentum and all those great things. It's built into the bow. Yeah. And as long as you're shooting between 60 and 70 pounds and 27 to 30 inches, penetration is a non-issue. Yeah. It's unless you're shooting a ridiculous broadhead. Now, let's, yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about that because that's where the Ransbury comes in. And, it, and this is, if you give diet advice to a 400-pound man or woman, you're not going to have to give the greatest advice. They're going to drop some weight. There, there's no way around it. Well, if you've picked a dude shooting a, an NAP kill zone or, or something takes a lot of um, 
uh, of energy of to energy, open up. Yeah, momentum. And they're shooting 60 to 65 pounds and they, they, they shoot through the scapula and they have a bad, they have a bad um, experience. Then they go to a 600 grain arrow. Well, it's going to penetrate more. I mean, there's no way in a single bevel, but you just went from one far spectrum to the other and where they should have went is what in it, the middle. Exactly. And what's that 600 grain arrow going to penetrate? The dirt yeah. or the animal? Because well, this, this is what I've seen over the last two to three years. Yeah. I've seen guys, and I'm, I'm not talking one guy here and there. I've seen a lot of guys buy into that whole 600 green arrow theory, lose 30 feet per second, go out hunting, get a shot at 40 or 50 yards, not have time to use a range finder, and miss that animal completely, which yeah. is much better than wounding it. Yeah. And they're right back in my shop for the next season like, yeah. Arrow's way too slow. I need a lighter arrow. Yeah. And I see that. It's kind of the neat thing about being in the shop a lot is you, you get to see the success and the failure of different things. So when I'm talking, I'm not just talking about my setup and my success. I'm talking hundreds, thousands, thousands of archers. Yeah. The more people you talk to, you know, and, and I don't buy into the, oh, yeah, I shot it and my broadhead didn't open up. Well, like you were saying earlier, it's like, so you recovered the animal? Well, no. <laughs> well, how the hell yeah. do you know if that broadhead opened or not if you didn't recover the, the animal? Yeah. If it left and took your broadhead with it, you somehow know that it didn't open up? That's bullshit. Yeah. Well, That's an, absolute as an bullshit. American, you blame everything other than On you. the equipment. Yeah, you never blame you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, and usually it's a broadhead's fault. Well, yeah. Which, ah, there's no blood. Well, you probably hit them in the damn guts. Yeah. Well, they don't bleed. When you... Yeah, with um, when you guide right, and and you also get to hunt a lot. You, much like you run in a pro shop, you get to see a lot, right? And when I say a lot, meaning yeah, because now it's not just your shots; it's every every guy you go out with, you're watching their shot. Oh yeah. So, and again, as people are listening to this, Gillingham goes a little bit on the far, like everything with Gillingham, right? (laughs) Three seventy five and a mechanical is fine. I'm like Jesus. Okay, you're on the other end of the spectrum, but. When you, you have women, you're guiding women or, or older gentlemen that just can't pull the weight back, there's still, Amy hit a, her dad in the ass at 40 yards with an iron wheel wide and got 22 inches of penetration through the thickest part of the ass up into the yeah. stomach. Now, she hit the femoral and the stomach and some liver. That was a big eye opener for me because she's not, you know, she's not bringing in the thunder. I mean, it's a 420 grain, a 410 grain arrow at 48 pounds. When she hit that, I was like... Oh, shit. (laughs) I mean, she was like, what? And I'm like, we're good. We're good. And she, because she's new, right? And we're in the cliff spotting stock and in the Paladuro Canyon. You know where that's at? Yeah. Um, So we pushed them off the alfalfa field. A guy shot one and they all took off. And I told her, I said, follow me. They're going to stage in these cliffs because I got to come back and eat. And we get about 50 yards from the cliffs. And I'm like, be fucking ready because there's going to be a lot of them bouncing around. So we get to the edge and there's 50 bouncing around in these vertical cliffs. The one standing as pretty as you can pee broadside, and I'm like, all right, take it. Right when she, she shoots, it hops, and she waylays it in the ass cheek. And I'm like, and I grab the swirls, and I'm just like, and she's like, what? And I'm like, we're good. You hit it in the femoral. She didn't know what that was. And I was like, it's like a heart shot. I was like, oh, my God. And she didn't know why I was, I'm like, you buried it to the fletches. And that's in the thickest part of the ass. 48 a, pounds. At 48 pounds. And so- what? That was an iron wheel? Iron wheel wide. 
of all, you know, yeah, you know, bigger so, cutter, cutting diameter. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's, you know, not as much penetration. So, and I've, um, I'm assuming, did you think I was on the heavy arrow bandwagon? Just, well, just cause you're a trash shooter, mm. you know, a guy when, and you should be, yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? Have for, to be with the for, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, just cause you've, you've been so heavy into it. If I had to guess which way you were, yeah. be like, yeah, heavy arrows are the way to go. I mean, you just, that's, I, I expect a traditional shooter to think that way. I just, I still own so many compounds. Compound bows, that, yeah. You're you still know, around them all the time. Pro shop at my house. So when I say that, you know, press and everything at my house is, is that when guys come up and anytime, I mean, you talk about like exorcism, when I, guys start talking about 250 up front on a compound, I'm like, what? And I'm like, look, one, they're very difficult to tune. Um, you know, you got to drop at least one spine chart, maybe two. The next just thing find, is, yeah, find an arrow stiff enough. Yeah, because most you, guys are going to be down to a two fifty spine instead of a three hundred or three fifty. The next thing is lobbing logs, right? Yeah. You know, and so I'm like, look, are you going to shoot a mechanical or a fixed? And they'll tell me, I'm like, if you're going to shoot a fixed, you can, you can take 150 grains off your arrow right now, and I'll break it down because we do a lot of testing. Um, mine's a redneck; it's a bath scale, and I have a a, a a two by four and a hole drilled in the end of it, and I glued an arrow in. And then I just screw a broadhead on and I push hide over it. And then I look at what it takes what to it open takes, the head. Yeah. So what people don't understand is that with a mechanical, there, there is, um, to me, a little bit more room for a little bit more weight. Um, not, not necessarily up front, a little bit heavier weight. Um, to get the same penetration you would get is if you were shooting a, a 450 grain arrow with a fixed blade is probably equivalent to a 550 grain arrow with mechanical. If right. that makes sense to open yep, it. Exactly. And so for me, it's, it's, it all dictates on the situation. Like somebody comes in shooting 29 inch draw and 74 pounds. They're like, what arrow should I shoot? I'm like, whatever you want. Doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah you can yeah, shoot whatever. Doesn't matter. And I'll be like, what are you hunting? Hunting elk. I'm like, I don't know. Shoot around 475. You'll be fine. Um, well, I read and I'm like, fuck, you know, immediately. <laughs> I'm like, I saw on the internet. <laughs> and not to say a 650 grain arrow won't do 100% it'll do it. Yeah, as long as, you, as long as you yeah, as long as you got your range finder and you put it in the right spot, it's going to it's going to work. So, as we're talking about this, how many animals roughly have you say you've shot in the last two decades? Hundreds? Yeah, okay. over. How many over bulls 100? Over? Yeah, a lot. And a lot of big animals. All right. So, how many elk have you killed in the last 10 years? Uh, usually one every year, oh. sometimes by hunt out of state, another one somewhere else. How many times have you walked off the mountain saying, fuck, I wish my arrow was heavier? Okay. How many times have happened. you seen an elk bounce out six yards, not been able to grab your range finder and have to make the shot? Percentage wise, probably 70% of the time. Okay. Because it elk, happens. Elk are notorious. <laughs> whether they're coming or going, they don't stop very long. So yeah. by the time you draw your bow, you see your window, you draw your bow, he either doesn't stop walking, you can't stop him, or he starts to walk. You, know, you range him. He's 40 yards away, you range him, and, and then all of a sudden, he, I'm drawing my bow, and he takes two steps. We'll figure out how, how much closer he's. If he was 40, now he's 36. Yeah. So I've, I've, got a, I've got a formula for elk that I'll tell you about it when we're done, but um, it, it just works. Yeah. I, don't, I don't use a range finder on elk. I do, but usually when they're not in front of me. Yeah. I just need a 40-yard mark. I use a three-pin movable. Yeah. 20, 30, 40 yards. I, I, I would almost bet the system you have is the same one that I set like Amy up with and in, in, in the aiming portion of it because you got a window, right? And I'm like- Huge. And so when it, with Amy, I'm like, honey, if it was at 40 and it comes in, put your 40-yard pin on its heart. On its heart. And that's it. She She's like, and we've went through this a lot and I had the same problem with Gritty, right? I'm like, look, 
there's a very simple system to this. You don't need to pick a hair in the kill zone. Uh, I'm like, you know, people say pick a spot. That, this system, as long as you're shooting a reasonable arrow at a reasonable speed, yeah. yeah, 280 feet per second, just so people understand that are listening. He gets to 40 yards. I put my 40-yard pin on his heart. Yep. He walks anywhere between me and him. I don't care how far he is. I don't give a rat's ass. As long as he's less than 40, I put my 40-yard pin on his heart, and I've killed every elk, and I've killed him quick. I never hit higher than mid-lungs mm-hmm. and obviously never hit under his heart. Now, if I had a 600-grain arrow, that window would probably close down to 30 or 35 yards. So we, we, believe it or not, I think your system's the same as mine. I have that giant, what is it, six-foot-by-six-foot block target. I spray paint horizontal lines every six inches across from it for drops. So I can explain this to Amy for her window of efficiency. So we're not shooting at 3Ds at first. I'm like, okay, we're going to 37. Aim at the horizontal line with your 40. She shoots. She's eight inches high. I'm like, that's a dead bull. Okay. Yep. And white tail, right? You got to aim a little lower. So she understands the, the she's getting to understand the concept. And with an animal now, I'm just like, okay, how far below the heart do you aim? Because her bow is a little bit slower than yours. For people listening in, why would you shoot a 320 feet per second at bow? Personally, to me, it, it doesn't hurt. The tuning is, is the problem, right? Is, and the bow is louder. So at 280. And, and broadheads aren't going to fly as good. They're not going to be as good. No, especially if you, which you can, you can add to this. To, the, the other thing too is off cambered footing and torquing because you're at a funny. That is multiplied with a fixed blade. It, it's still multiplied with a mechanical, but it's much it's worse, worse with a switch yeah, blade. It's worse. Um, that you get to 280 and you're shooting within 60 yards, you know, you're, you're dry, that's still good speed. And your, your window, right, is of where, where you can kill something at. Well, the thing that guys, you know, well, what, what about if he's out at 90? I'm like, well, we'll call him back in. Like, that's a far, sh- that's a far shot. Um, but with, at 280, you've got several yards, plus or minus, if you're picking that hard as your aiming point. So with Amy, and I'm only using her because she's got a, a rel- uh, she's not you or I, she's got a slower bow. Is that okay, honey? Because she's got a good elk tag this year. <laughs> is <laughs> all right, honey. The bull's screaming. You've ranged three trees. You know, one tree's at forty, one's at thirty, one's at twenty-two. More than most likely, just shoot it for thirty. Like, and when I say that, meaning okay, you don't know if it's thirty or forty. Just put your thirty mid mid body. You're you're gonna drop into it. And, and explaining to her this, well, a lot of guys because of the speed craze and now the heavier arrow weight craze. A six hundred grain arrow, seventy pounds. 250, did you say? Yeah, it depends on the draw length. But yeah. Oh, excuse me, 29 inches. 29 inch. Around 250. Yeah. Um, 240 to 250. Yeah. So what is the drop from 40 to 45 yards, would you say, per yard at um, 245 feet per second, Bo? I don't know. I'd at have to look to at Archer's advantage. Yeah, so it's six to eight inches. at For every? For every yard. Um, it's that much. It, it's depressingly. That's scary. So, and let's that's say, huge. let's say it's five. Okay. So five yards, that's 25 inches. If you can't judge and you're shooting that heavy of an arrow, you're going to miss. I mean, and again, unless you're aiming in its spine or something, I mean, yeah. you're going to miss. So with a 280 foot per second bow with a 465 grain arrow, you're going to hit it yeah. and it's half. It's less yeah. than half. Trying to explain that to people online is fucking difficult. Um, I, yeah, I know for a fact. I shot a bull in New Mexico. Just the big, big one? 
Uh, he's, he's a good one. No, yeah. not that 380 ball, but he was, he was a good ball. He came out of the trees. He's bugling below me, and I was cutting across a little opening and saw elk as I was cutting across that opening, and I, I knew I was in trouble. I had to freeze where I was at. So I had to be a full draw when they came out of those trees. Well, he bugles. It's thick. I see, I see his hide. I come the full draw. He steps out, and it's not him. It's a spike. The big one's behind him. Like 10 yards, <laughs> and I'm stuck at full draw. And I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I have to stay at full draw. He comes out, and I am literally judging him through my peep. Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know how far he is, but I'm thinking, I got to come up with a number. I put my 40 yard pin. Uh, you know, I can't say it's dead center, but it, I never aim high. I never aim above dead center. I just can't. I don't want to hit an elk high. So I might have been center of the body or below a little bit. That arrow dropped, and I, I didn't know where. I, I mean, I know I hit him low. I watched it go through that dark hair. Mm-hmm. You know, his mane, basically, that, that dark hair behind his shoulder. And I thought, I wasn't even sure I'd, I hit meat. You know what I mean? I thought I might have just hit hair. Yeah, he bolts. Whatever. He runs up into some brush above me. There is no shot at all. And I, I don't have a reason to take another shot because I don't think I hit him. Yeah. I think I went under him. So I know I misjudged him. All said and done, I hit him. One blade creased the bottom of his heart. Ooh. Creased. I mean, just cut a slit through the bottom of his heart. He went up into that brush and he stood there for 15 minutes. And now I'm thinking, I have a feeling I hit him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he should do something. He should leave, whatever. Grab cows, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, he turned around. He came back down through the brush. I drew again. I'm, remember, I'm stuck out in the open. Yeah. He saw me draw and he stopped. No shot, but I don't know. I can't say with 100% certainty that I hit him, so I'm not going to take a shot through the brush. If I knew I hit him, I will take any oh, second shot. Yeah, yeah. Yep. it's get another arrow in him. But if I don't know if I hit him, I'm not going to wound him now. Yeah, you know, and find out after fact yeah. that shit, I shouldn't have shot. Yeah, so I, I got to err on the side of I didn't hit him and not take a really lousy shot through the brush. I held the bow back forever as long as I could physically hold the bow back. <laughs> And I had to let down. Were you shaking like a cat? Oh my god! I mean, yeah. it's just like, yeah, it's just, it was, it was crazy. So I, I held back as as long as I could physically hold that bow back, and then I just collapsed. And then he bolts, and he went downhill through the opening. And I'm like, son of a bitch! And I'm colorblind; I couldn't tell you if there's blood on him or not. Yeah. So he runs down into the dark timber, and I'm like, I give it five minutes, and I just walked over to where my first shot was. Yeah. I found blood. I went up into the brush, not down where he ran, but I was went there a away. Bunch up there? There was a pool of blood up there. The whole time he was standing, he was bleeding. Yeah. And I'm like, son of a bitch, I wish I took that second shot. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, the only thing I'm thinking is I got him in the brisket. You yeah. know, I, this bull's not going to die. I left. I came back six hours later. And fortunately, there was another guy I met. I was hunting by myself, but I met him and he happened to come by my camp. And he goes, hey, how's it going? I was like, I hit a bull. And, and he, this guy, he heard about me somehow through some friends or something. Yeah. He knew who I was and that I could shoot real well. He goes, oh, you got one. I was like, I don't know. What? I said, dude, I shot this thing super low. I misjudged you. And I, I figured out the yards. It's a five-yard mistake. Yeah. He was 50 yards. I shot him for 45. And I, that's why I got to this whole story. Creased the bottom of the heart. And the only way I know I creased the bottom of his heart is we went back up there and we found him 100 yards from yeah. where I last saw him on that hill. I can promise you. That was, I think, a 420 green arrow. Yeah. Think of what it would have taken for me to, I mean, to shoot a half inch lower. 
That's well, all. I believe me, I know because right now I'm shooting 178 yeah. feet per second. It doesn't take much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was shooting 280. <laughs> I, I can promise you, if I shoot in 260, just 260, I would have never gotten that animal. Well, and, and again, like for everybody, you know, listening in with this, when you um, when you're setting up your bow, right? I mean, I don't. I'm not saying to shoot 420 or shoot 600. What I'm saying is shoot what you're most comfortable with and what's the most lethal for you. And, and generally, it's it's not um, at 70 pounds over 500 grains. It's between 450 and 5, um, uh, or, or what, in your case, 420. The, the thing is, is you, you don't um, – people forget to hit where they're – I mean, hitting where you're aiming is the most important thing. And accuracy is everything. Yeah, accuracy. And so that's, that's one of the things that, that, that I try to preach to people is, okay, um, how much you – know, you've spent – you've got algorithms and charts and shit you've sent me in nine different arrow setups. Which one of those are you most accurate with? I don't know. I just ran the numbers. <laughs> this well, one says it's going to penetrate better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How about it, do some real world testing? Go <laughs> shoot at a dot, put yeah. up several different targets, shoot each arrow at its own target, find out which one's grouping the best. Yeah. And I think I learned this from you, and I talk about this in my seminars. I'm, I'm pretty sure I did. In fact, I know I did. Um, I don't know if you remember. So I, 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 I do group mapping. I have a blue, red, and a black, and a gray Sharpie. So I'll set up a, um, a three-fletch, four-fletch offset helical, whatever, especially with a compound. I shoot groups. For me, I, I like to do 60 to 80 for these groups. Um, but now, if you, can't shoot, if you can't hit a fucking stop sign, don't do it at 60 to 80. But, <laughs> and what I do is I'll shoot the three arrows with three-fletch, and I'll circle those in blue or, or yeah. black. I do the same thing with the other. Eventually, shooting, I'm going to see one of those colors is going to be tighter. Yeah, yeah it's going to shoot better groups. So now I assess, okay, that arrow is, you know, 175 grains up front, 125 grain point, 50 grain insert, and then I'm going to start, okay. Now you go to broadheads. Yep. What's going to be best now with broadheads? Yep. Now with the broadheads and that setup, what are my drops? If I'm shooting equally as good, let's say with a 520 grain arrow and a 470, I might opt for a 470 um, because a little bit better speed, yeah. the bow's quieter. And again, that's just the art of archery. That's learning the craft and, and pick it. Most people don't do that. I mean, I don't know how many guys throw a back bar on their bow for no fucking reason whatsoever. Because other people are doing it. I don't well, shoot one. Well, I shot. I don't, I don't want the extra weight. Well, I'm hunting. Say, I, I like have, the light bow. I'm going to be carrying it 99.9% .9 of the time and shooting it 0.0001% of the time. <laughs> we were at a trailhead. And we're getting ready to hike in eight miles. And I pull out this monstrosity I have of a bow, which is with a compound, I think it weighed 12 pounds or something, right? And <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't want to get So I, I shoot groups in the parking lot at 80 with, with it and without it. <laughs> it came off. I'm like, fuck I, this you know, it's, it's funny you brought that up this year because right now I'm shooting the lightest bow I've ever shot in my life. Yeah. It's a PSE carbon bow. Mm -hmm. Always three and a half pounds empty. With yeah. nothing on it, and probably I'm going to guess maybe bumping five pounds with a quiver sight, everything I had to put on it. And when I first picked it up, I'm not saying go out and buy a light bow. When I first picked it up, it definitely did not hold as steady as my other bows that I was shooting. Yeah, I mean, I I noticed there was a lot of movement on my pin sight after shooting it for about two weeks. I can shoot that bow as accurate as any bow I've ever shot in my life. Yeah. I, I shot yesterday at 70 yards. I was shooting groups. They were like two and a half inch groups at 70. Yeah. I mean, they just, you know, you, your body adjusts for that weight. Whether you're, 
And the same thing, you look at target shooters and they're putting, you know, eight ounces out front and 16 ounces on their back bar. You hand somebody that's never shot a heavy bow, they can't shoot that bow. Yeah. You've got to work up to a super heavy bow and the same thing with a light bow, you've got to work down to it. But I found that that setup is as accurate as any bow I ever shot in my life. And I get to carry a bow that weighs four and a half pounds all day. Yeah. Yeah, which is not, just, now my recurve makes four and a eggs. half. Um, yeah, because I I like a heavier recurve. And when I say that though, agreeing with you, I'm not saying to shoot a light bow or a heavy bow. Shoot the one you shoot good. And yeah. what people, what's weird with people is they go off of what somebody else told them or what somebody said. And I, I mean, I've been on a and, and I'm more blunt than I probably should be. We'll be on a 3D course with people, and I'll be like, hey, what? That back bar help you? I don't know. I just threw it on. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, it does because they just bought it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, you should group test it. Uh, what do you mean? I'm like, see if it makes a difference because believe me, packing that fuck around sucks. You know, and so yeah. with and the same thing with a stick bow or whatever, when people are, are dialing their, their, their systems in and, and, and I got to take a leak, so I'm going to ask you a question when I do. What is your setup now? Like, or, or what has it predominantly been? for broadheads, uh, poundage, and everything else for, for hunting, not tournaments, I'm, over the last few years? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm 59 years old, so I, I'm not shooting 70 pounds anymore. As you get older, you learn to take care of your body. Um, if you don't, it's going to bite you in the ass. I get a lot of customers that come in. They got bad elbows. They got bad shoulders. You know, and these are guys that were shooting 70, 75, 80 pounds and did it for too long. It's, it's going to take a toll on your, batter, on your body. So I'm at 59 years old, bumping 60 in January. I shoot a 65-pound bow um, at 29 and a half inches. I'm shooting the Victory Vap TKOs. They come in at, uh, I'm shooting the SS. I'm say they're 453 grains flying at 283 feet per second. Uh, using the Grim Reaper 100-grain uh, hybrid. It's a two-blade fix and two expandable blades. I've been shooting that for about three years. That that hybrid head is just incredibly accurate, great penetration. Um, done a lot of testing with it. And I just I love that head. Um, so that's I mean that's my my main setup. It's just works. So with um you know that setup or whatever you hunt pretty much everything in North America with that. I'm going moose hunting. I leave Sunday. Yeah, so, and I'll I'll use that same setup. So, and then you've also... Oh, um, the one thing I failed to mention, I can't remember the last animal I didn't shoot through. Zip through. Which, exactly. And that's, you know, one of my arguments about 600 grain arrow is, if I'm shooting through everything I hit, now granted, I'm not shooting them in the big bone in the shoulder. Yeah. Because I know no setup's going to... I can vouch you know, for that because I, yeah. I hit one at 100 pounds with a 650 grain arrow. Yeah, it's, didn't just, go through. it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, so I, I make sure I don't hit there, but I practice a lot. But, um, you know, I, I shoot through everything at a higher speed than I would with a 600 grain arrow. And I think I'm more successful because I've got speed on my side. And I'm, my biggest pet peeve is, first and foremost, is accuracy. It's, I don't care about speed. I don't care about anything. I want, and probably because I'm a target shooter, you know, I do a lot of target shooting. I want, I expect my bow hunting setup to shoot as good as my target setup, and I won't settle for anything less. It's, the difference is under pressure, my target setup is probably going to shoot a little bit better than my bow hunting setup. 
But when I'm relaxed and just shooting, I expect the same groups at 40 yards, 50 yards, 60 yards out of that bow hunting bow as I do my, my target. So you, you got to have accuracy. That's what's going to keep you out of the guts. It's going to keep you off the leg. Um, after accuracy, I want speed. Yeah. I want not, not crazy speeds, just what I think is the right speed, yeah. Yeah, 280 feet per second. Almost everyone I have on here that that um, is in the position you're in, whether it be uh, the, the, a, a Dudley or a Levi, um, and uh, we had um, good Lord, I'm forgetting his name. He he's Levi's main competition. Jesus, uh, Black Eagle dude. Um, oh yeah, now I've got <laughs> unbelievable dude. Yeah, yeah. He's... Same same setup as you, 420 yeah. grains, and 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 I brought up the fact of if, you know you know what we all have in common spend a lot of time on a 3d range and we realize how important speed is a hundred percent um and believe me i had to reassess my hunting skills when i picked up the stick bow because i didn't have the speed <laughs> I, you know, I, the one thing i don't have at my shop that i wish i did yeah. is five acres out back with 20 targets because when that guy comes in with a 600 green arrow yeah i'd like to say let's just there's no argument here let's just go outside and see real world results yeah. let's walk onto a 3d range leave our range finders inside we'll shoot 10 targets yeah and i don't care if you outjudge me or not i'm gonna beat you every time because if you're shooting 220 feet per second and i'm shooting 280 yeah i can misjudge you can't yeah well again and this is within obviously reason if you're shooting an 80 pound bow and that's what I try to explain. Yeah, that's it's speed. when I say 600 grains, I'm yeah. talking about a, a 28 inch straw yeah. and 65 pounds yeah. or 70 pounds. A guy that's shooting 220, 230, 240. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? It's the only reason I bring that up is people hear what they want to at times. And when I, and I said this um, on, on multiple podcasts, when I shot 80 to 90, I shot five to 600 grains because it kept me yeah, at 280. And it kept you at 280. And I shouldn't use the weight of the air. I should use speed. If you're, if you're in that 220 to 250 range and I'm at 280, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to do better than you. you know, it's, and, and if you're worried about penetration with what, like if you're listening to Bill saying four, four, 420 is too light, um, it, it's, it's difficult to argue with results. And that, that was the thing. Like Levi is at 74, 76 pounds, and uh, he's at like, 500 or so you know what i mean yeah. it's kind of the setup i had 50 grain insert in a 125 grain point the the thing is though is is people hear what my arrow weigh but they forgot about what my poundage yeah was. and if i was shooting 70 pounds i'd probably be shooting a 465 to 470 gra what it puts me at 280 I, yeah. I shot tournaments for so long 280 was the speed limit um that i'm used to that cast and and that's important for missing branches and everything else exactly but if you're worried about it just put a fixed blade on you know, you, you, I mean, God seemed to create mechanicals for guys who can't tune. Um, I make that joke all the time. But if you're worried about it and you don't and you want to keep that speed, uh, learn to tune and just put a fixed blade on. You'll, you'll be fine. You don't have to shoot a mechanical. Exactly. Um, and so, that, again, there's that happy medium with Amy. She didn't have enough. I don't I think she'd be fine with some mechanicals at Whitetails. But we get her bow. We, we bear shaft out to 40. So she's golden with a, a fixed blade. And I feel more comfortable with her shooting one of those in case she does clip the scapula, she'll go through. And yeah, I, she'll have I, no problem with penetration. And she hasn't. And, and it's crazy because, you know, seeming side by side with my wife, watching her shoot a bunch of animals, it's like, man, that is, you know, because you see TV personalities, eight inches of penetration and in their arrow, you know, maybe not super heavy arrow. And 
then you you know I see my wife do it and she zips right through a 250 pound whitetail and I'm like huh well you watch these guys you know <laughs> classic examples on on TV and I don't know how many seems like hundreds of times I've seen it a rage yeah on TV and that deer runs off with half the arrow sticking out of it and I'm like oh that's bad yeah I mean that's just bad I don't I don't want to see the back of my arrow out the side of an animal ever yeah I want and it goes back to that colorblind thing. I want and need two holes. holes. Yeah. I want twice as much blood on the ground. I want it pouring out of that animal so I can trail it. Yeah. I, I see those rages, you know, those big, big rages with not enough weight behind them. And they hit and they just stop. Yeah. Looks like they hit a 3D so, animal. So I on my pen hundred and forty eight pounds is what it takes to open up a rage. Hundred and forty eight pounds. Yeah. I, I encourage, I say these numbers, I encourage you to test it. Now, this isn't in a, some crazy lab. This is a redneck yeah. Snyder taking a hide. Six pounds for an iron wheel. Is, is that pounds per square inch then? Or? So that's redneck Snyder pushing a hide down. The scale goes to 148 pounds. Oh, yeah, so, that, and, that'll tell you something. Well, and again, like, I'm not saying I can shoot whatever I want. Gillingham can. Fucker's got a 33-inch yeah, draw. Yeah. <laughs> She's 70 pounds. When guys are worried about penetration, you don't need to go to a 575 grain arrow. Put a fixed blade on. It, uh, yeah. And it, put the right fixed blade. Yeah. Don't, don't put a fixed blade on that punches through animals because the blade is, it's not swept back. Right. I mean, look at the design of that broadhead. Look at the angle of those blades. Some of them kind of punch through, others slice through. Yep. And slicing is going to penetrate. And look at the diameter. Yeah. You know, you don't need a giant inch and a half fixed blade yeah kill an animal well and, and if you do uh if you are in the case of like with amy um we'll shoot an iron wheel wide or a, a three blade um you know a, a penetrating a good penetrating head. Head, uh that may be a hair wider for whitetail because it's a fixed distance you know we yeah. know where they're it's, coming in yeah at. 20 yards away and it, it but I, it's I, not an elk yeah well and, and with elk the only thing i changed is or i didn't change anything she's shooting skinnies um or micros, whatever you want to call them. I just, um, w with that, it's a two blade. You know, she's going to shoot a two blade. Yeah, with, well, that's going to penetrate like hell. Well, and, and she shot so much different stuff at this point that um, it's, it's one of those deals where when I'm answering the thousands of questions that come in, and literally it's thousands in a month, it's like, okay, you're worried about the wrong shit here. Like, you're worried about how the clock was built. You need to focus on the time. Like, don't, don't worry about that. And Yeah, if your main focus is, I'm going to make a bad shot, yeah, there's and how do I overcome that? Yeah. That should not be the main, your main focus should be, how am I going to put it in the vitals? Yeah. And that's speed and, and accuracy, and I mean, that stuff all comes into that equation. Yeah. Well, you get on the online, and I won't take up... Almost, yeah, I'll shut up here pretty quick. Online, especially archery talk, which is like the bane of my existence. How, you know, you can't see who's got Cheeto dust in their cleavage and shit and eating Hot Pockets. Or you don't know who you're talking to. And so, is it a guy that shot two does? Or is it a guy that shot 400 animals? Or is it a 12-year-old that never hunted? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you have no idea. Or is it a guy that's shot 1,000 animals in the last 40 years? You don't know. Yeah, and, and when, you, when you do know, and that's why I tell people, like, hey, listen to guys that are getting it done. It's that simple. And when I say getting it done, not getting it done on hogs under a feeder, but on everything, right? Guys that hunt multiple different animals, and they're all going to probably tell you about the same thing. Have decent speed, have decent arrow weight, have good arrow flight, and be real accurate. If you got that, you're good. What people get is I need 26% FOC. I, I didn't check my FOC till like two years ago because I kept getting hounded about it because <laughs> I just didn't. Well, if it took three I can, you know, 
I, here's here's a story about FOC. This is years ago when bows weren't as fast, and you know, going to a 3D tournament and maximizing your speed, getting 280 or actually 287 with a three percent yeah. adjustment. There were guys out there shooting 50 grain gluing points. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was shooting. They're red. Remember, and they, they actually if you farted if, on them. Yeah, if if the wind didn't blow, blow, and you had it tuned, they were incredibly accurate. Yeah. Would it be my choice? No, because I know if there's a breeze or a wind, you're going to lose that. But that kind of shoots a little bit of a hole in front of center. You can shoot a lot less weight up front than you think and shoot it very accurate. I am a big believer when you have weight up front, it's going to fly better in the wind. Yeah. I've, I've tested that sitting in a barn, shooting out into a crosswind. And the more weight you have up front in the wind so and you know i've got different setups for i go for mountain goat or bighorn sheep it's going to be out in the wind above timberline i know i'm going to be dealing with the wind micro diameter arrow smaller you know mechanical head a uh, little more weight up front now there's things that come into play for different reasons but well, again though with having that with saying what you're saying you can't have one arrow that's a happy medium for everything now yeah when i say that I get a shit ton of stuff for free. You own a pro shop. You get to, so I'm not saying have five bow setups, yeah. but I think if you're setting up for the best all around, and, and this is me, 2970, that's yeah. which is average, 2870, 450 to 500, whatever, somewhere in there yeah. is going to be a setup that you can kill anything with. So when yeah. I say you're not going to, that was one thing when I had the ranch ferry dude on, it's like, raise your hand oh, if you're Cape hunting. Buffalo. Yeah. Who the fuck is going to have this year, right? Yeah. So use on, on both hands, right? All right. How many people I know hunting Cape Buffalo? Um, Sarah Gamash, a friend of mine, just shot one. There's nine fingers left of who's hunting mule deer, whitetail, sheep, and goats, right? That's everyone. Yeah. And goat, for me, it's, I don't even know one hunting Cape Buffalo this year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I just, and I know a lot of customers. Well, and you've hunted goats um, a, a bunch. I've hunted them and I've guided them and you can poke a pencil through a goat. They're not mm-hmm. overly tough. Yeah. You got a lot of hair, but- I have guys because because of the perceived notion of how tough mountain goats are setting up some pretty crazy setups, and I'm like, dude, mountain goats aren't like when you skin them. I dole my knife because the hide just you just put holes in the fuckers. And so when I say I dole my knife, I'm not shitting you. I, it goes in the ground a couple of times where I start flushing it out because they they you last thing you want to do is piss yeah. off your 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 client because you put holes all over in his shit. So if the hide is that easy to put a hole through with a Havilon. Yes, it doesn't take much. Yeah, it doesn't take much. And and I've I've shot f- five goats and I've probably been on thirty five or forty. Not one time was I like, man, I wish that guy was shooting six hundred grain arrow. Generally, I'm thinking, fuck, I wish I hit where he was aiming. Right. That's yeah. that was the thing because when you wound a goat, it's not good. Good luck. They fucking climb like yeah. crazy. So hypothetically, and you you've goat hunted, but you know, forty thirty seven degree slope, forty six yards downhill. A 420 to a 400, 500 grain arrow zipping right through that thing. Well, a mechanical is a little different because of the hair, but you don't need a 600 grain arrow. But what goats do is hop around on rocks a shitload, right? Then they, yep. when you come in from above them, they're not scared. They're curious. You may draw and they may come closer because they don't, they don't, they don't know danger. Well, these are the things I try to explain to people is you're worried about a 600 grain arrow. You might be wanting to worry about where to hit the fucking thing in, in a little more speed. Uh, and that's with, with goats specifically. You killed yours. Well, I'm not going to say it. I know where you killed yours. Yeah. Um, the one here, what was that set up and what, how did that go? That's a standard carbon arrow back then. It was a 246 diameter. Like, it a was, fat it was gold nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was just like a gold tip XT hunter. Um, that was a steelhead 100. Yeah. 
That's 70 pounds at 29 and a half inches. I think it was might have been a Matthews Feathermax. Yeah. Um, you know, speed was right at 280. Yeah. And I mean, I, I never found the arrow. Yeah. Killed the goat deader than hell. I mean, that arrow's went downhill and <laughs> yeah. You know, who knows where that arrow ended up, but um, yeah, I just, it works. It's, yeah. you know, it's like you said back then, that was my all round setup. I didn't change a thing because I use that steelhead on everything. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, it's rare. I, I was going to change my setup this year for moose, but I can't hardly find a broadhead target that'll stop that setup that I have. Yeah. And when I look back the last time I had a moose tag, my setup then versus now, I, I mean, my, my setup, just the bow alone, is delivering so much more energy by itself. And I'm using a micro diameter arrow, um, about the same weight. I was going to switch to full metal jackets because I think it's the ultimate moose arrow. Just, I love it. Um, but I, I hate full metal jackets, but go ahead. <laughs> they shoot great. They bend. They yeah, dent. That's you know, what I worry about. They're not durable at all, but it's a, it's a great shooting arrow, great penetrating arrow. But I was going to, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly, as soon as I found out I drew that tag this year, I was like, Oh, I'm going to put full metal jackets on. The arrows I'm using are working so well, penetrating so well, and so accurate. I'm like, I'd be an idiot to, to mess with this setup. And I've been on a few moose hunts, you know, with a, with a bow. I, it's not an Asian water buffalo. Don't get me wrong. They're tougher than a deer, but I mean. I, I've, <laughs> I, 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 I'll <laughs> tell you something. You'll laugh because we've talked about. Um, uh, how I'm drawing a blank on the, the big expandable that we talked about. The kill zone? No. The, the rage? The rage. Yeah. The last moose tag I had, I took a fixed broadhead. I had four fixed broadheads and one rage broadhead in my quiver. Yeah. And I just, my goal was I'm going to shoot this moose, kill it, and then shoot the carcass. Yeah, see. Yeah. With that, that rage. Well, I, I, Snuck up like 25 yards. It's on my knees. And I just, I put that, that fixed broadhead right through his heart. He trotted out to like 40 yards. And I'm like, he's dead. He's going to fall over in a minute. I'm like, I'm going to shoot this rage at him while he's on his feet. Yeah. You know, and he stayed up long enough. So I did. I, I put it like two inches from where I put that other broadhead. Both of them went clean through. Yeah. But it was a hard shot. It wasn't a big part of the body. Mm-hmm. I, but I just wanted to see, so I did it. And, you know, and then he took two more steps, fell over dead. But, you know, it's, so is it possible to kill it with a rage? Yeah. Yeah. But your shot placement's going to be really, yeah. really critical. Yeah. And, I mean, I never suggest a, a mechanical to guys that um, are going moose hunting because guys that are don't need – if they're going to use a mechanical, they, they're not going to ask my opinion because they're confident in their setup. But guys that are, you know, new hunters are asking or whatever. And as I say that, if a guy's shooting – 80 pounds and, and a 550 grain arrow. He can pretty much shoot whatever shoot he wants. Shoot whatever the hell he wants. going to kill everything. Yeah. And so, like, I shot a buffalo last year. It wasn't a hunt by any stretch of the – it wasn't a high fence, but it, I mean, drove by a the buffalo truck. buffalo here, right? Yeah. It, well, it was in South Dakota. Um, and uh, it, it was big. So, we <laughs> we drive by, and I'm like, I just wanted – No wanted better to, test than that. Well, I wanted, I wanted to eat it, and mm-hmm. I wanted the broadhead test. So – I didn't realize they don't die overly easy. Oh. Um, so they stay on their feet with a double long head for a long time. I put five arrows through the lungs. No, yeah. I put four arrows through the lungs and one in its ass running because I'm like, is this going to die? Like, Jesus. So, and I didn't want to suffer. So we drive the truck by and they're like pointing and I'm like, I just want to shoot the biggest one. I just, and, and it had half a horn. I'm like, 
I want to shoot the second biggest one with two horns, right? <laughs> so we we go up and I'm 28 yards and they're relatively, it's like shooting your neighbor's cow. So I put an arrow through it, probably 10 inches from the bottom of the body line. So lungs, but low. And uh, it took it like a man and it's, but it's bleeding. Now the other, the other buffalo are coming there. They don't like that. Yeah. So it's turning into a rodeo now. So I sneak around and, I, and that was with um, a cutthroat, just a standard three to one ratio, single bevel. So now I grab a three blade, dip right through it. And I'm like, well, I guess we're going to need a lot of broadhead testing today because it's ain't falling <laughs> over. So I, they I don't go, to, go down, man. I, I shoot it with a cutthroat, a three blade cutthroat. Uh, that's one I designed with Danny, an iron will. And so, they all zip through it, right? Three blade, two blade, whatever. And this is arguably one of the more muscular, durable yeah. animals for big, it, tough hides. I mean, thick hides. And when I say zip through it, my fletches on a couple were holding on the other end. Yeah. I have two holes in it, which is what I want. Yeah, they're dragging the arrow with them. Yeah, and uh, it, and it died in I don't know, three or four minutes, but it doesn't. You can way longer you, than it should have. They're tough. Yeah. Um, of course, we pulled the heart out; it was bigger than my head, so that made a lot of sense, right? We it's still in my freezer. We got to cook it. But when I was doing this, I'm like, if I can shoot through with a three blade, which is not a penetrating quote unquote broadhead for for a stick bow, I zipped through it with a three blade like it was nothing. That that antelope with Danny was at forty. It was walking away. I got a lot of guys gave me shit because it was cornering pretty hard, but I, I hit it just in front of the uh, rear quarter and it came out its neck. So that's at 40 yards with a stick bow with a three blade. And when we shot it, right, I hit right where I was aiming. I mean, pinwheel. And when it spun, I saw something <laughs> fly out of its, <laughs> its neck. Chest. And I was like, what the hell? And it ran over and, and it died. And it came out literally right at, I mean, it didn't even drop elevation from where i hit it i mean it was literally an inch lower and that's it for now it's an antelope but my, my point yeah, being, that's almost end to end yeah it was, it was and I, clipped, I, I literally clipped it was corner away enough i clipped the rear quarter going going through. in you cut the last rib yeah basically yep. yep and uh but you know trying to explain some of these things to people listening it's just there's too much archery talk and and, and when i say that meaning Getting the info from that's been applied. Uh, find somebody. I don't care if it's at a pro shop where it is. Find somebody that hunts a lot, has killed a lot of animals, and get their opinion. Yeah. And, you and, know what I mean? It's, and I'm not talking somebody that kills one deer a year, 20 years. I'm talking about a guy that, you know, his goal in life is to hunt as much. Guys like you and me, we want to hunt as much as possible. I never pass up a hunt. I don't care, you know. Somebody calls me up and says, let's go shoot prairie does or bows. Let's go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's do it. Yeah. It's great practice. So, you know, it's, it's find somebody that just hunts a lot and has a lot of real world experience. There's some great information on the internet, Yeah. but you don't know if you're getting that information or not. I'll, I'll, and I like to talk shit about this group. There's a group called High Momentum Hunting and, uh, and, and they kicked me off. Um, I got into a huge <laughs> argument. With somebody and uh, and and again, this was a dickish move to do. But I was arguing, and um, I knew the guy had shot like one or two does, so I, I posted like 180 animals in a row um, to be an asshole, and so of that I'd shot. And I was like, "Look, man, I really don't want to argue. This isn't an arguable point." And, went, and so I just ding ding. I'm just one animal after another, and I'm like, "Yeah, I have no idea what I'm what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing." And and the point was, is is there a big 23 plus percent FOC? group right the momentum and i'm like guys i'm not saying your systems won't work of course they'll work they're 
I mean, yeah. they're going to outpenetrate a lighter arrow. I'm not going to argue that. At, at what risk? At what cause? And so my point was a happy medium. I'm like, guys, you don't have to shoot that shit. Like, just take a hundred grains off your arrow and, and be happy. Why? Of course, there's some sponsors on there with heavier setups and everything else. Oh, and yeah. One of the points I had is ask any shooter that's killed a ton of stuff and is also a tournament archer. They're all going to be around 450 grains. Uh, roughly. And they're all going to be probably 11 to 13% FOC, which is true. I mean, that's yeah. probably about where you're at. Yeah. And I'm like, and they're killing more than all this group combined. Um, and when I say that's no exaggeration, I mean, I don't know how much you've killed, but I know it's a shitload. I, I know how much I've shot and Levi and you get those guys that really push the issue. And because of a bad experience of a guy hitting it in the leg, he's like 650 grain bone breaking penetration. I'm going to that. So, you know, they went, it's like our, it's like war. We always prepare for the next war off of what happened in the past. The last, yeah. Which it's kind of, backpacking's the same way. You go in ultra lightweight, you get your ass handed to you, your next trip out, you probably got more shit in your pack. And, and then you get suck it up, you know, you get crushed hiking in. Next trip, you're dropping some shit out of your pack. Yeah. yeah, so, but the one thing you'll find with backpack hunting or whatever Guys that have done it long enough have met in the middle and found that that middle ground exactly. is the best ground to have. And it's good to have you on here because it's funny, you and Levi, all you guys are the same. Yeah, I mean, 420 is where um, McCarthy was. Yeah. Levi's a little bit heavier, but Levi and Dudley also have ridiculously long yeah. draw lengths. But if you weigh it out, they're probably where you would be at 420 when they're at 475. Yep. Um, I don't want to kill this horse to death any more than we already have, but- um, can you tell everybody about your shop, the bows you carry and everything else before you hop off here? Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're in Colorado Springs out on Platten Powers. We've been there for 16 years. Um, you know, we carry Hoyt, Matthews, PSE, Prime, Elite. Um, we've got some bare bows. You know, our, our reputation's built on setting up and tuning bows. I mean, that's our, that's what people come to us for. You know, we do a lot of bow sales and all that, but we have people that, you know, buy bows we don't sell and immediately just take them down to us and have us set them up. You know, and there's obviously a charge for that. If you buy it from us, there's no charge at all. But um, you know, our reputation is making you and your equipment as perfect as we can possibly make it. Um, our staff, I don't have anybody there, the exception of our newest employee, James. Um, and James comes from another shop. So I don't have people there that don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm so picky about people. I've tried running an ad a couple of times. It's never worked out. The people I hire typically come to me for a job. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, every, every one of them has come to me for a job. And it's in most times somebody that's been in archery for a long time and they just love it. And they want to, they usually learn a little more. Um, but We've got, I, I feel honestly, and it's not because I own the shop, it's because I know them. I think we have the best people possible. And there's other shops with people as good, but I, I can guarantee you won't find better people working in the shop. And I know that because that's what I hear from my customers day in and day out. And I hear it. It's nothing for me here five, six, seven times a day. When a customer gets done, man, Josh did an awesome job or Kaylee did an awesome job. And I heard it yesterday several times, and I'm like, "Yeah, stop saying that. It's going to their head. I'm gonna have to give them another raise. Don't don't say it anymore. They know. I know. Thank you. Get out of here." 
that's but funny. it's you know we've got we've got great people and we just we don't cut corners we if we got to spend five hours with you we'll spend five hours with you and you look at our reviews and you'll see it like you know hey bill or james or whoever spent half a day with me is we're not about volume yeah we're about getting things right so that's, no, that's, that's what good. we do. What, what do you, uh, bows, uh, you know, the, the big ones, like what do you have uh, for the different bows you carry, the arrows, things like that? Um, um, yeah, you on know, the, brands. yeah, on the brands, like I said, Hoyt, Matthews, PSE, um, Prime, Elite. Uh, we got some less expensive bears just to have something in that price point for mm -hmm. beginning archer that wants to just buy a kit. Um, Victory arrows, Easton arrows, gold tip arrows. Um, you know, broadheads, I've got a wall full of broadheads because honestly, it's broadheads is the one thing you can tell a guy, hey, it's time to change arrows. But when they find a broadhead they like, yeah. <laughs> until they have a bad experience, they're not changing broadheads. And, I, and I'm the same way. I mean, when I find a broadhead that works, I stay with it until I have a reason not to, until yeah. I find something better. Yeah. So I, I've always felt, and going back to when I was a kid, if I wanted a broadhead, I... I drove from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins to buy two packs of broadheads. To Jim's? Yeah, to Jim's old place, <laughs> yeah. Aerodynamics, because yeah. he had them and nobody else did. Yeah. I will drive any, you know, it's just, broadheads are very personable. It's, it's, dude, it's like people's trucks, I guess. You know what I mean? They, they find a brand that works, they stick with or, it. Or a wife. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or a wife or, you know, they just... That's that's your broadhead. So, so sites, do you uh, spot hog? I think yeah, I, I carry I'm spot hog. We're big in the black gold. Yeah, they're good um, too. They're, they're real good. They're three pin movable. They're mountain lights. An awesome site. It's it's affordable and it's solid. It's bright. Um, their photochromatic covers really. That's something that I love. The white tail for whitetail hunting. That it. it I, I'm a spot hog guy, but I I there there are times. I'll tell that you. The, I'll the tell you this about. Over it. I tell you, and I'll tell you this about spot hog. Nobody can ever argue they make the best fixed pin site in the world yeah they absolutely do it, you know it's a real deal um starting at the real deal when they made that and they've just improved on it nobody makes a better better adjusting tougher more durable you know fit and fit i mean they just make the best fixed pin yeah. site just about indestructible uh, yeah when it comes to movables i just i favor something simple mm -hmm. less moving parts the better um, it's got to be solid. I, I, I personally favor that, you know, on a movable site, that black gold, yeah. mountain light. Those are the two I suggest is, is black gold or, or mostly because like when I recommend something, I get hate mail when it fucks up. So like I know with those two, <laughs> it's not going to, it's not going to jack, get yeah. jacked up. Uh, Aerores, um, obviously I work a lot with AAE on, on different designs and things like that, yeah. but, um, AAE makes a, they make a great drop away. Uh, Hamsky makes Hamsky, a great drop yeah. away. Vapor trail. Um, my two biggest sellers, the, the Hamskin Vapor. Yeah, they, that's what Amy's got. In fact, Greg yelled at me the other day. Amy, they they put Italian stallion on it. They engraved it for. So. <laughs> Is that a vapor trail? Uh, no, or no, a on Hamsky. a Hamsky. Yeah, 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 on a Hamsky. And I've been friends with Andrew. You know, same as you. I've known Andrew forever, and and Sean, great house. Yeah, they're great so. guys. But yeah, I, I, the thing that's nice with your shop, and I haven't been there forever, but I just no, hear and about I'll tell it. you this about a Hamsky: you will not find a more bulletproof, bombproof. Yeah. It's kind of like the Spot Hog fixed pin site. Yeah. If you want the most bomb proof arrow rest on the market, it's absolutely hands down. It's the toughest. It's like an anvil. Yeah, it's beefy. And I, I change the attachment system a little bit when, especially if guys are going to Alaska. I don't have an issue with the, the way theirs is, but I, I, 
the, the drop cord I change a little bit from how it comes uh, factory on a Hamski. I'm not saying that the talking way, about the when when it had the spring. I, oh, I took spring off. Yeah, springs. Yeah. Are, <laughs> I didn't like the springs if you snag that on a branch, yeah. the rope, yep. and jerk it. You wipe out the spring. Yeah, I, I never had an issue. I took it off. I, I never had a problem with it. Yeah. Not on there. They did it for for bounce back, I guess, yeah. or whatever. But I've never really had that. They now issue. went to that new rubber piece. Have you yeah. seen that? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And it's you know, there's nothing that can go wrong with it. I've been shooting it. It seems because I did the same thing. I took yeah. the spring off, went direct to the limb, no spring. Yeah. But now since they came out, they got a real cool name for it. It's a piece of rubber. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, yeah. but it works. Yeah. And it's, so. a, it's some high-tech rubber, too. Yeah. Um, but it's it's pretty bomb-proof. So I've got that on mine. And Yeah. And then quiver-wise, I'm assuming you know, um, I use a tight, tight spot. spot. Yeah. That's just, you know, I was, I was kind of slow to come to tight spot. They'd been on the market for probably three years. Yeah. And I was just, I, you know, I, I kind of saw it in the magazine or whatever, and it just looked like a whitetail thing for people who want to pull their quivers off. And I'm... This is this is one of those pet peeves. I don't know where you fall into this, but I cannot understand taking your quiver off your head. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't. I mean, I don't get it. The yeah. uh, other than when it goes in the case. Who are the <laughs> the, the um, oh shoot? Losing mind on the company. The, the tree hanger one or whatever. Where no, you, no, the guys that do all, they did all the videos forever. Um, Primos. Oh Will yeah, Primos. Great guys, great videos, did a ton for the industry, but for the life of me, when they elk hunt. Yeah, I remember. They and they pull, pull their quiver <laughs> off and drop it on the ground. Yeah. I've never seen anything <laughs> nuttier than that in my life. My arrows are now at my feet, and if I do miss or I get a second shot, I got to bend down and pull it out of a quiver that's attached to nothing yeah. and get it on the bow. It just never made any sense. I practice, you know, I don't know, do these guys walk around a 3D course and pull their quiver off? Yeah. Throw it on the ground and shoot, <laughs> yeah. and then pick it up and leave. I mean, I practice the way I'm going to hunt, yeah. and I'm not pulling my quiver off the bow. I practice with it on it. It's zeroed in with it on it. I, I just don't understand why they take it off. So when I saw the tight spot, I thought of those guys. I'm like, that's for those knuckleheads that want to throw their quiver on the ground. They're shooting. Yeah. And it just didn't make any sense. Well, finally, I went, it's like at the ETA show, and I actually looked at one. I'm like, quiver. Yeah. Suck it up tight to the bow. Damn near it's almost touching my limb. You know, get that weight more towards center. That uh, that's our number one selling aftermarket. Um, their new two piece. Because I'm not I their there's their one piece is a little loud for me, and so I yeah. rebuild the hood. Yep, and, exactly. Put foam in the hood. I, yeah, I did. Um, but their their new two piece. It's quite Nice. Dude, I, I, I felt bad because I talked shit about tight spots noise. I mean, I said it's the greatest yeah. design ever, but you gotta do some gotta, exactly. That one P or two piece Frank got the other day, and I was like, mm, I may have to retract my statements. <laughs> yeah, when you put ass. it on, it's rock solid. It's yeah. it's great rest or a great uh, quiver, you know. And I used to tell, like for years, I was just anti. And I'll use PSC as an example, but it's not an example. It was every manufacturer. I don't care if it was Hoyt, Bowtech, whoever. If they made a quiver, mm -hmm. it was usually garbage. And that's changed. My opinion of quivers have kind of flipped because the ones that they made weren't as good. It's kind of like strings and cables. If a company just makes strings and cables and they make good ones and they're going to keep improving on it, probably going to be better than the average factory string and cable. Yeah. And quivers were the same way. If you're tight spot, that's all you do is build a quiver. Yeah, your heart and soul is in Yeah, your quiver. heart and soul. Your, your life depends on that quiver. So you're going to build a, a great quiver where... If 
a, a manufacturer of bows is making a quiver, it's kind of like an afterthought for some companies. I mean, they're, they're like two-piece quivers right now, without a doubt. Look at the cue light that goes on a Matthew. Mm-hmm. You bolt that thing on, you'd swear it's welded to the bow. Yeah. It's super light, super strong, super quiet. You know, so, you know, I used to think that, and, and it was for a good reason, because quivers 20 years ago were garbage. It's hard to find any good quiver. Yeah. But manufacturers, it was kind of like an afterthought. Well, we, we're building bows. We need to make a quiver for it and make more money. And they built some crappy quivers. i the last five quiver. years, that's changed a lot. Like the Hoyt's quivers have gotten better. Yeah, they've all, that's gotten, what I mean. They've yeah. all gotten better. You know, when you're building a quiver for that bow, guess what? It's pretty damn because they're yeah. building it for that bow. It's <laughs> built around the geometry of that bow. It's, it's going to sit tight. It's going to be a good quiver. Um, you know, and... and I mean, I go all the way back to the old quivers, the quickie quiver. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some, some true garbage. But so they, they, you know, most manufacturers are making really good quiver for their bow. Aftermarket, I just, I think the only one that I think works and works right is. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I'd say again is, so we we took silicone and we silicone the hood. Um, yeah. To to get it quieter. Yep. That, that's where the noise was but from. Exactly that hollow sounding. Yeah, pop. But I, and again, that new. Two piece though, I, I have to reassess my definition of lat because that thing's solid. Um, well, when you attach, you know, you attach your arrows to the bottom and the top of the bow, it's going to be quieter than when you just attach it to a single point and you have twenty four inches of arrow hanging out the bottom of your paddle. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of favor two piece over one piece because they are they're more solid, they're much quieter. No, no, same thing. Um, well, man, uh, I totally lied to you. We've hit two twelve, so I, I'm turning this into a Chris Rowe podcast. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing. Mm. I'm going to get my ass kicked. My wife's sitting in the car. <laughs> oh, is she? <laughs> She's just like, I'm staying here and taking a nap. I said, I'll be back in an hour, honey. <laughs> oh, shit. My bad. Tell her I'm so, sorry. So, I mean, she may not be there. The car may not be there. <laughs> you can drive my Raptor. Go catch her. Uh, well, man, I appreciate the friendship. Uh, it's and, been fun, yeah. Uh, even though I was a knucklehead when I was longer, I, uh, younger, I learned a shit ton from you. You were amusing so. when you were younger. Yeah, that's <laughs> you a good way to look fun, at dude. it. Yeah. I had a good time with you then. I have a great time with you now. Uh, yeah, so a lot of things. Have, I've grown up some, but I still haven't quite hit the grown-up you know, point. It's, it's funny. When you were getting out of the Army, you were heavy set. Yeah. Just, uh, you, were, you were pretty round. Yeah. And some years went by, and I was like, what in the hell happened to you? I mean, you turned into a different person, mentally and physically both. I yeah. mean, you've, you've grown up Somewhat. a lot of uh, in a lot of different ways. I got to say, a lot of that, you know, when you're candid on a podcast, you're going to get fucked with, but I try to oh, be as God, yeah. candid as I can. I just did one on, on mental health. About- well, you know, you know, the difference is people like you and I, I do archery because I love it. The same reason you do it and you promote it. You're not going to promote crap. Yeah. You, nobody's going to give you thousand bucks or ten thousand bucks and you're gonna pedal junk no i can tell you i've lost hundreds and, of thousands from oh, not pedaling junk i, I'm sure I you can have make too. a lot more money at my shop <laughs> if i sold junk and yeah. i just won't if it doesn't work it's not my shop and it's there's a a drop away arrow rest company out there that i don't carry because i take them off bows every day and i show people why they're not working yeah. you know how much contact they have and i can make a lot more money if i sold the rest so I'm just not going. I'm not is. setting people up. Yeah, you know exactly what it is. I'm not going to set people up for failure, and I'm not going to let them spend their. I'm like, you want that? Up to Sportsman's Warehouse, pick it up. They'll be glad to sell. It. Yeah, and that that's usually when they start listening to me. They're like, what? I said, I'll put one on the shelf. I will literally put one on the shelf, and I will not allow anybody to buy it. 
because what I don't want them coming in is they come in and say, do you have this arrow rest? No, because it's a piece of crap. Yeah. Because now they're thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you it's a piece of crap because I don't have it and I want to sell you something else. Yeah. But I literally keep one of their rests on my shelf and now nobody's allowed to sell it. And they're like, well, you got it. I want it. I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, what do you mean? That's what I want. I said, go to Sportsman's Warehouse. Yeah. What do you mean? I said, because when you have problems, you get to take it back to Sportsman's Warehouse. Yeah. I am not going to allow you to buy that. But I don't want you to think I'm telling you junk because I don't have it and I want you to buy something else. It's there, but that's how strongly I feel about it. I will not let you buy it. Go somewhere else and buy it. And that's usually when they start thinking, you know, they start listening, listening to the voice of reason. And they're yeah. like, oh, well, why is it junk? And I'm like, come here, I'll show you why. I pull out a box of rest that are covered in plastic. And then I tell them some other stories and then I show them what works and why it works and then yeah. they start listening. No, well, and that's why your shop does so well. And and again, I, you're right. I mean, that's one of the reasons this podcast does so well is we don't have sponsors. We yeah. said we're, 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 I mean, you're going to you're going to tell them what you feel is the truth and what works and what doesn't work, and you're not going to let that come into play. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when your life depends on it, or maybe not your life, but I mean, we do some pretty well. We're getting ready to backpack in for 14 days for mule deer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to use shit. I mean, one, I don't want to suffer. Two, I don't want to wound anything. And three, I want to come home with an animal because I, I like hunting and I like to eat them, uh, you know, and, and I want to yeah. shoot a, a good animal. I'm, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm 15 days up in Alaska that we're going to be in, in a wilderness area, dropped off at, you know, drop camp by horses. Yeah. I've got to bring gear with me. That's not going to, I'll have a set of Allen wrenches if something yeah. comes loose or I need to do something to that compound, but I'm not bringing, I don't have enough room for a backup though. Yeah. I've got to have equipment. That is going to function 100% of the time and not fail me because I don't, I, you know, sitting in the rain in Alaska, yeah, 15 miles in, yeah. <laughs> well, sitting there with a bullet's not working, yeah, just isn't my idea of fun. You yeah. know what I mean? That's just, that's 15 days of, of, of hating life. <laughs> I should be hunting and I'm not. I'm helping my buddy out, you know, helping him kill his moose. And I, my, you know, yeah. I can't afford to have a breakdown on me. No, for sure. So I've got to have the best of the best. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, man, again, I, I appreciate- uh, oh, I appreciate you having me up. Yeah, it's... I literally have repeated you hundreds of times of shit you said to me when I was a knucklehead. Um, <laughs> one of the things was, uh, don't buy a, a release made by a bow company. They're hard. You know, you just said <laughs> it. You're like, yep. that, I think I was probably it's 23. It's Yep. So, no, again, thanks for everything. Everybody check out um, Bill Pellegrino's Archery Hut down in the Springs. And uh, do not look him up on social media and pester the shit out of him with questions. Just call the shop and they'll answer them there because- um, I don't even know. Do you have a? You know what? We're not going to talk about social media because you will get hounded with questions. We'll leave <laughs> I that just have it. a Facebook page. <laughs> so, That's uh, it. Cool. Well, man, again, thanks for everything. Uh, I appreciate you're the great Thanks for having shop. me up. Yeah, and good luck up on the moose hunt. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks. Nice.